Morning, four minutes past four. Welcome to Wednesday morning. Yes, I did tweet correctly. Gerard Butler is coming in to talk to me today. Na, 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 na. <laughs> somebody, somebody wrote to me and said, are you sure? What? yes, absolutely certain, absolutely certain. Uh, really, uh, Matt Cadman might or might not be going in to actually be reading the news somewhere today. Uh, Lawrence wanted to know where to get the crackling wick candles from. Um, well, I bought them in a garden centre uh, called Not Cuts, but you can buy them on Amazon. You can buy them on Amazon and just put in crackling wicks, I think. It comes up candles and it's it's quite easy. Quite easy to find. Uh, so there you go. Um, and then Kath says, Gerard Butler, can I come and make tea? I can bring chocolate brownies. It's a nice thought. Uh, Peter Mabbott. Couldn't quite get over the shock of Julian Clary and me in the same room. Not just in the same room, in the tiniest room. The ti- Like, you know, when somebody says we've got the smallest room in the house, it's, a, it's not much bigger than that. It really isn't. So, uh, yes. And, in fact, we didn't talk about very much... Well, we did when the mics went off. We talked about quite a few things. But uh, he, was, um, he was quite quiet yesterday, actually. Uh, I think it's going to be run this weekend, the Julian Clary interview. I think it's going to be this weekend. I've, I've recorded all the links, but there again, I've recorded quite a number of links for quite a number of different celebrities. So uh, what one makes the, uh, the final cut, I do not know. Katie wanted to know what my sleep routine was like. Um, good. You know, fairly good. What did I do yesterday? Uh, I slept well. I mean, I'm normally in bed... Because I went out yesterday, I had to go and see my friend Michael, and I had Julian Clary here. Then I'd ordered this uh, Breville hot water maker, but it was too big to take home yesterday because I had the Cliff Richard DVDs to take home, the George Foreman box set. George Formby? George Foreman. The George... <laughs> there was another grill to take home. And um, so I've, I've got the... The George Formby box set, and I've got a lovely documentary. It's amazing how controlling George Formby's wife was. She was everywhere. She didn't let him out of her sight at all. And, in fact, one of the blokes in, in this documentary, I don't know if Ray's got this one. He must have. He's got everything to do with him. And I bought it on Amazon. And it's literally all the clips of him and then people who worked with him talking about him. And there was one particular guy. He, he said, and I said, um, he said, I, I, you know, I, I, I said to George, you know, would you like to come out for a drink tonight? After they'd finished filming, they were filming. Um, and uh, he said, I'll, I'll need to check with Beryl. Beryl was the wife, or as we prefer to call it, Godzilla. And she ruled it with a rod of iron, and she said, take him out for a drink. She said, so he'll, he'll actually arrive back, you know, a bit sozzled in the early hours of the morning. She said, I don't think so. He's coming out with me. George, get your coat. And she ruled him like that. She masterminded the career. She wasn't any women anywhere near him. Of course, the funny thing was, the moment she was dead, he was off like a rabbit. Whoosh! Didn't take him very long. Was it seven weeks? I think after Beryl died, Ray, but it's a great thing. And I'm looking forward to the box set because one of them has got Jimmy Clitheroe in it. Now, there will be certain people of a certain age who know who Jimmy Clitheroe was because the uh, the Clitheroe kid on the radio was a big radio thing. We used to have the Navy Lark, the Clitheroe kid. There were loads of things. And it was Jimmy Clitheroe. And Jimmy Clitheroe had a little high-pitched voice. And next door there was Mr Igginbottom. And he sounded like a schoolboy, but in fact he was a grown man, Jimmy Clitheroe. Another one from Blackpool, I believe. And he was a, he was a little bloke. But so he looked, so he played a child, a bit like the Crankies. 
you know, we we Jimmy Cranky is in fact a woman. Don't want to break it to you now, but uh, it is a woman, very much so. But it, of course, but but works very well. And Jimmy Clitheroe did exactly the same, and he did a film with uh, with Mr. Formby. So I'm looking forward to watching that later on today. Uh, we can't get this story right at all. Every day I've managed to get something wrong on it. First of all, we had the PC pressing ahead with the trip injury claim because her stomach is too fat and she couldn't see a curbstone. You know, that's how dumb some of our police officers are nowadays. So anyway, so seven months after she has the accident, quite clearly she's watching the television, sees one of these claims or us chase an ambulance kind of thing, and she decides she's going to go for it. Uh, she's done it through the Police Federation, and she said that uh, all she is trying to do is recover about £2,000 for loss of earnings. Well, doesn't that come through the police force? Why would you take out a private prosecution against somebody? I mean, that's just stupid. That really is stupid. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't know anything about this woman, but I can't help feeling you you claim off the police, don't you? If you're off ill, why would you claim off a third party? I don't. Anyway, contrary to what I told you yesterday, where her father said that she was not going to be making any claim, she is. But she doesn't want fifty thousand. She's looking for the two thousand pounds she's lost. But then I'm assuming the firm she's doing it will want, want, want their bit of lucre, won't they, on top of that? So I imagine you can whack it up quite a bit. It depends whether it goes any further. I mean, the whole country seems to be united on this one, that quite frankly, she appears to be a gold digger. She appears to be capitalising on it. She had a car accident as well, in a police car, and so that, that took her off work. As I said yesterday, she's about accident prone. I think the safest thing for her would be to stay at home. And not come out. Don't ever go out policing, dear, because you're too fat to run. You couldn't chase any criminals. You're not fit. You know, and I thought the whole idea of being a police... Mind you, we saw a police officer yesterday in Twickenham. I should have taken a photograph. He looked about 12. Seriously. He looked... Tw- he had to go out with another police officer, obviously, to make him look a bit butcher. But he was... He looked like he just... Actually, probably looked about 15. I'm telling a lie. But whatever it was, he was very, very young. Very, very young. Uh, more people... Uh, losing their life, another teenager shot dead. They say in a clash between rival gangs. What is it with these gangs? What is it? What is this mentality that these juvenile delinquents have these days? You've got to be in a gang. I mean, dear me. You know, in my day, it was uh, you. You remember the Tufty Club or the Secret Seven Club or the Famous Five or something like that or a pet charity, but pet. Pet sort of club where you sort of swap pictures of your hamster on its wheel. Nowadays they go out there and they carry knives and guns and they think nothing of killing somebody. So somebody who is apparently in a gang. Parents don't seem to know about this. I mean, sh- either the parents are the stupidest under the sun or they're just not, not looking out for their kids now. My mum would question. I was telling a friend of mine earlier on. I remember a friend of mine was, was phoning home when I was living at home years ago. When I was about 14, 15. And my mum would say to me, as indeed most mums would... Who, who is this person? Well, are they their school friend? And after a while, you start feeling a bit sort of put upon by your parents. You start thinking, why are you asking me these dumb questions? It's somebody from school. Well, why didn't you say it was somebody from school? Well, because it's not. Well, who is it? Well, it's just somebody I met. Where? And, so, and your parents would say, when you go out, where are you going? You say, I'm going round to Terry's place. OK, what time will you be back? I don't know, about nine o'clock-ish. All right, well, make sure you are. And ring us. Because in those days, nobody had mobile. So to ring your parents, you had to find a phone that was working which was a lot easier said than done. But nowadays, it seems that kids go out, they carry guns with them, they're all swaggering and doing the big I am kind of thing, and then they either get knifed to death or they're shot. 
I've never seen anything so pathetically stupid in all my life. We see it here in Leicester Square. You can watch a fight starting. We look out the windows. You can, first of all, you hear it so, yeah, 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 like that. That's apparently the start of a fight nowadays. And then some, I watched the other day. We're looking out the window, looking at these drunks. And somebody comes over and pushes somebody. And then somebody pushes somebody else. The next minute, all hell breaks loose. One of the other presenters in the station walked out the other day. He said, somebody flattened somebody right in front of me. He said, I had to call the police. I mean, it's quite ridiculous. You've never heard anything like it or seen anything like it. Certainly it was, certainly it was different in my day, but that's, that's a sign of getting a little bit older, I suppose. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, so we're just thinking, I'm humming a little children this morning. Uh, the Queen getting £6 million tax-free pay rise as the poll urges her to cut her workload. She doesn't want to cut her workload. She likes working that hard. That's what keeps her going. That's what keeps her and Philip going. And also, the £6 million tax-free pay rise, she contributes far more into the system than she takes out of the system. So, uh, don't let anybody ever tell you differently. Believe you me, she generates more income than she actually gets back from the government. She's, she's quite good about it. She lives. She's quite frugal, anybody will tell you. That she recycles dresses. She does, she's not one of these... You know, she isn't like the Eccleston girls. She's not vulgar with her money. You know, you'd never find the Queen saying, we've just had a million-pound bath installed, or my wedding cost £12 million. She doesn't speak like that. It's only cheap, tatty people like the Eccleston sisters who would be vulgar about money. You know, I've just spent this much on a dress. We think, oh, tacky, dear. You never talk about money. You're not supposed to talk about money. It's considered, in, in polite circles, very vulgar. So you'll find people who live in beautiful, you know, houses, might be living on, on poverty. Remember we had the Fulfords on the television, lived in that big big mansion type house and yet they didn't have threepence to rub together and there's lots of cases of that they're the class well they weren't because they were filthy mouthed um and but you'd never find the queen doing it and then you get the eccleston girls who are just cheap you know they can't help it it's like paris hilton she's cheap she behaves in a vulgar cheap manner i mean not as cheap as Kerry katona or anybody like that what was funny somebody was talking about poor old katie price's wedding where everything is an opportunity to flog and uh, the latest is the Katie Price wedding dress collection. If you really want to look like a prized turkey, then wear one of these. They go from £900 up to, I think, about £3,500. She hasn't designed anything. It's, you know, she's not that intelligent. It's come from another company who pay her to endorse. So they will give her a free wedding dress and she'll get a percentage. And uh, they're hoping that they will... Why on earth you'd ever want to look like her? I can't imagine. Four times married. Hardly a role model for anybody at all, I'm afraid. You know, and her friends, well, I say friends, you know, having discovered, I, I spoke to a number of people yesterday about Samantha Brick's ludicrously homophobic comments that gay men want to talk about handbags and want to go out and drink champagne and could spend all day walking around Westfield to pick the colour green out for you. Quite clearly, the woman is so deluded. Uh, and then she said she likes going to gay bars because everybody's so nice and polite and they're not like where well, you go to other bars where big sweaty men. And I thought, well, just look at your husband, dear, because he looks like a big sweaty man. And uh, poor old Samantha deluded Brick. A woman whose career is about roughly akin to her shoe size, I'm afraid, and that's it. You know, but the homophobic rubbish that was, she was coming out with yesterday, I've never heard anything like it. Um, can you wave to Neil out the window, says Noreen. Don't you start. I had this the other day for the April. This is going to live with me all year, I can tell. But Brian had a lovely birthday, went for tea at St Michael's Manor. Graham stayed there. Very nice, but cake's a bit rich for me, so poor Brian had to eat them. And most of the sandwiches. The scones were to die for. I do like these sandwiches. When we go to 
the Dorchester or places like that for afternoon tea. It's not cheap. You don't do it all the time. You might do it once every two or three months. I do like the sandwiches. I could eat a lot of the sandwiches. They're really, really nice. They're sort of finger sandwiches. And they just keep bringing them around. You go, I'll have two of the chicken, two of the egg mayonnaise. <laughs> and what's that one? <laughs> and they come up with something. New. And I just, I mean, I just leave the tray. Just leave the tray. I'll eat them for you. So I know exactly what it's like. The funny thing is, I don't do the cakes. Isn't that funny? I don't do the cakes when we go. And yet the cakes at the Dorchester are beautiful. They're really little, just just nice. But I thought, no, I can't. I could sit there and eat the sandwiches, because they are to die for. But then exactly the same at the Savoy. The sandwiches there were to die for. I love things like that. And so I've had tea now at quite a number of uh, top hotels. and enjoyed every minute of it. In fact, I could eat it right now. LBC Morning from 7. LBC 97.3. And coming up this morning with Nick Ferrari, as the parents of six children who died in the house fire last year are found guilty of manslaughter, Nick will be asking what drives people to behave in this way. Plus, as tomorrow marks 40 years since the first mobile phone, Nick will want to know, have they made your life better or worse? Looking at the papers today, the jobs editor for the Daily Telegraph, Louisa Peacock. Yes, I am doing Gerard Butler today. I just thought I'd mention that, you know, in passing. Seems you ladies have really got a bit of a liking for... For him, uh, and it's uh, it's anniversary today. Oh, it's Neil's uh, anniversary, and the long-suffering Lorraine. So <laughs> have a great day and a happy anniversary from from the gang. I'm sure you'll have a very very nice time indeed. So well done to Neil and Lorraine who've got themselves an anniversary. Uh, we've got the. Uh, I'll tell you who won the Fanny Wang headphones a little bit later on, and and I was hoping actually to tell you more about a knob thatcher. Because I'm... What? What's the matter with you all this morning? Uh, also, I want to tell you about a prignapper. I want to tell you as well about an ankle beater and a cinder wench and a hanky man or a lob lolly boy. All of these are job descriptions from years ago. You know, I've, I've, I've used the term on the programme before of toe rag of a toe rag, to describe something. I think it would be accurate to describe Mick Philpott and his wife Maraid as a pair of toe rags who thieved from the system and to, uh, who killed their children. I mean, one can only hope, and I'm sure that if there is a God, and Lord knows he's not listening to anybody at the moment, but if there is a God, once uh, Mr Philpott is in prison, I'm sure that people will have their own way of metering out the kind of punishment to somebody who kills six of their children purely to get uh, to get a bigger house, to get more benefits. That's all he did. He was a thieving little toe rag, and that's being polite, actually, to toe rags, because it, it, was, a, it was a good job. It was somebody who worked as the docks as a corn porter. But we don't know why they were called toe rags. If... The only thing we could think of is that they had to wear rags around their shoes. So, in fact, that doesn't describe Mr Philpot at all. Um, he was evil. Let's face it, they went on television. They pretended to collapse. I mean, I mean, at what point did this thicko and his equally thick, ugly wife think they were going to get away with it? Everybody knew they were guilty from the first moment on. The overwhelming evidence was stacked against them. However, these people are compulsive liars. Let's face it, we, have, you know, we had T-shirts... Find the killer. We had all sorts of things. They went on the Jeremy Kyle show. They pitched up everywhere. And then people sent the money for the funeral. He was raking in 60 grand a year. £60,000 a year this man was raking in, ladies and gentlemen. Your money. And all the time, he's a killer. He's a killer who can't keep... I mean, I'd have him castrated, personally. 
I'll think of something for him. This man should never, ever be allowed to have children ever again. He's apparently got 17 out there somewhere. Well, six are now buried and in their coffins, which you paid for. They asked people to send Argos vouchers. And people sent them Argos vouchers, believing that this this filth, this slime, was actually innocent, you know. To look at him to realise they kept changing the story. They pitched up at the Jeremy Kyle show. You know, and they came out the Jeremy Kyle show and started joking about, oh, I think we'll have a vasectomy now, the kind of thing. That's how filth they are. That's how low rent. That is, that is society nowadays. I think you'll find that the, the male summed it up quite nicely. The vile product of Welfare UK. You think, you think that's it, do you? think that's a... I'm telling you, it's the tip of the iceberg. There's loads of people out there now. People who milk the system and all they do is have loads of children to milk the system. All right, there's one or two genuine ones. But 90% are filth, like you were hearing earlier on. People abusing the blue badges. It's been going on for ages. They can't stop it. You know, could you stop illegal minicabs in London? I shouldn't think so. There's illegal minicabs touting every, every minute. Even big company minicabs are touting. I've seen them doing it. I've seen them doing it. It's terrible. Uh, so these, uh, these other jobs. The, uh, the knob thatcher. What do you think a knob... Th- Make out, make of it what you will. Uh, a knob thatcher is a wig maker. And, of course, a knob was somebody in, in society, and a thatcher, so it was somebody who would make wigs for posh people. A prignapper was a horse thief. An ankle beater, what do you think an ankle beater was? OK, that was somebody who drove cattle to market by beating them on their, their ankles. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, uh, a cinder wench was somebody who collected cinders from the gasworks and then sold them door to door. Uh, a lob lolly boy in 18th and 19th century warships was a non-professional assistant to the ship's surgeon. And a necessary woman, a necessary woman, was a servant responsible for emptying and cleaning chamber pots. There's a job you don't really want. There's a job you don't really want. 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk and uh, we've got a good gadget uh, for you today. We, we're going to find out who, who got the Fanny Wang headphones. Can't wait to tell you that one. Uh, other stories in the papers. Well, the main story is the Philpots. Face, I love the way they say facing life. What do you mean facing life? I'd give them about a life sentence for each child. As far as I'm concerned, these children died in agony. I don't know how, you know, whether I can sort of push that point over to you that they set fire to their own house. I don't, I don't know how I can explain it in any other way apart from that. I really, really don't remember. Oh, I did get an email yesterday. I got an email from... Um, oh, where's it gone now? It was from... Oh, blooming neck. It was from well-known person, Sophie Parkin. Now, remember I told you the story that I appeared on a TV show some years ago? And on the panel. It was a TV show. She, she's got it wrong, actually. It wasn't about the O2. It was about, um, it was about the Millennium Dome. And the subject of the programme was, and they put on, I'm sure it was, I'm pretty certain, Sophie, it was you, and, well, it was certainly your mum, and I'm certain it was a daughter. And I'm pretty certain, I'm 99% certain it was you. So anyway, we go on there, and we're talking about things that you can put in the Millennium Dome to represent the best of British. You know, when they first put the dome up, they were thinking of doing the best of British. And I said... That you know, to put the best of British in there, being a matchbox, and so Sophie had this argument with me. Well, not really; it's like a discussion kind of thing. She thought she was right. I said, "Listen, it won't last five minutes," and I was proved right. I was proved right. The dome was a complete and utter disaster. And she says, "Dear Mr. Allen," because she knows how to address me. 
To my knowledge, I've never met you. So why would you claim to have had an argument about the O2 with me? How weird. And why would we be arguing about it? Well, it wasn't the O2. It's Chinese whispers, you see. It's Chinese whispers. It was the, it was the dome. And it was a television programme. Your mum was on it. And I was on it. And in fact, I can always tell you what your mum was wearing. I can, I can pick out the outfit now. And she says, also, when mentioning my 81-year-old mother, can you please talk about facts of current worth that have happened in the last 26 years? Well, I think it is in the last 26 years, love. I think it is. I don't know how old you are. She said, um, uh, it's, um, if, however, you want to discuss real history and have a laugh, read my new book on disgraceful goings-on at the Colony Room Club. There's a shameless plug for Sophie's foot. But uh, I'm telling you, Sophie, I'm, you know, I'll have to search through my videos to find the programme. Because I think somewhere I've actually, I've actually got a copy of it. Because a friend of mine was one of the producers on it. But I can't tell you. I can just tell you it was when the Millennium Dome was built and they were discussing. So whatever year, so 98, 99, that was, that, that it was, they were discussing an exhibition to go inside to show the best of British. And I've been fairly vocal on LBC, saying that there isn't anything that sums up the best... You're not going to fill a dome with it. And they were saying, her and her mum, that, in fact, there was enough stuff to put in there. And I said, there won't be. I said, it won't last five minutes. And I was quite right. I was quite right. It didn't last five minutes. It collapsed like the proverbial pack of cards and ended up putting a circus inside and then all of a sudden it just became another, another venue. But it was a disaster, a total disaster. So that's why... But, uh, but you've heard second half from your friends. It wasn't the O2. It was the Dome. And it was a TV programme that you were on with your mother. And there was a, there was a, it was a group discussion. But I was the one being shouted down by you because you were saying that there were enough things that were British you could put in there. And I said, no, there weren't. No, there weren't. But I'll plug your book, The Colony Club. The col- sorry, The Colony Room. Colony Room Club. There you go. I might even have a look at it later. I haven't decided. Depends whether Chinese whispers get better or worse. Um, I'll tell you in a minute, actually, who, who, who got the Fanny Wang headphones. I want to sort of save that for a little bit. Because I was trying to find other stories in the papers, because they've all, they've all come out of the woodwork now. Um, an ex-lover of child-killing monster Mick Philpot. I mean, to be honest with you, castration and an axe in the back of his head would be too good for this man. I can't think of anything... And, I, and, and perhaps it's just gut reaction, but I'm sick to death of mamby-pambies in this country who go, well, perhaps he had a difficult upbringing. He was thieving from the system. His idea of life was to produce as many children as possible so that he could get as much money. They were out celebrating after the TV thing on the, the Jeremy Carter. He's a nasty, evil man. During the press conference, they broke down and cried and cried. I'd have had him shot. I'd have had him shot. The Ceausescu's had the right idea, didn't they? Drag him into court, accuse him of all these crimes, children being massacred and everything else. And, they, and I remember it to this day. Like, perhaps if we'd had the death penalty, this man could have been the first one to face it. But I remember the Ceausescu's in court. Him and his vile, disgusting piece of filth that was laughing, they called a wife. And the judge in this small Romanian court said uh, the death penalty. And she sat there thinking, yeah, right. And, uh, and they took him outside from the courtroom and shot him. They tied him to a post and shot him. And she went, oh, my God. And they took her out and shot her as well. Best thing that could have happened to them. And if only something would happen to Mr Philpot, then perhaps the memory of Jaden 5, Jesse 6, Jack 7, John 9, Jay 10, and Dwayne 13. Their little lives might have gone on a little bit longer if they hadn't had such a toe rag of a father who really just milked the system for all it was worth. I mean, let's face it, he asked for kids' funeral donations in Argos vouchers. 
I, hanging is too good for this man. I'd pull the trapdoor open myself, ladies and gentlemen. I'm afraid we pussyfoot around these people far too much. Far too much. You know, there's people saying here now, if, he, if he'd done proper time for knifing me, this is, this is one woman who's come forward and said he attacked me. Uh, this is a former lover. I can't understand why women were attracted to this man. He's an ugly piece of filth at the best of times. But there they are, and the jury didn't know there was an attack on an ex. And then they've got the scene in the house of the place. I mean, the, I think the temperature's reached, I think, 1,000 degrees. And uh, the evidence was the green petrol containers found nearby. I mean, the man was so dumb and so stupid, he really thought he could lie and get away with it. But that's what the jury system is. They debated for eight hours and overwhelmingly, unanimously, they decided this piece of filth was guilty. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is British justice. Hopefully he will rot and die horribly in prison, perhaps screaming in agony like his poor children. The time now, 4.30. With Steve Allen. Morning, so the papers are full this morning of Phil, the Phil Potts, guilty of killing six children. I mean, as one of the police officers said, Steve Cottrell, he sat next to him at the press conference when they did their fake crocodile tears. Please help us, please help us fight the killers of our children. He said, I looked at them thinking, it's you, it's you, we know it's you. We've just got to go through the process. You know, in China, they'd have taken them out and shot them straight away. They wouldn't have wasted time doing a blooming court case. To be honest with you, God knows what this has cost. They lied their way through court. And, of course, every time they lied, they tripped themselves up. The man was a piece of filth. He appeared on the Jeremy Kyle show. Jeremy Kyle baited him, you know, because he's one of, like, he just didn't get up for it. He never worked. He never worked. He just had sex with lots of, lots of sad people. Produced all these children. Now six down. Six young lives that could have been saved if they didn't have such a toe rag of a father, a piece of filth. And I'm quite sure they'll be welcoming with open arms in prison, ladies and gentlemen, as indeed they do in cases like that. I mean, you know, one one child, bad enough. Six children, it don't get much worse. Think you're a hard man? They'll be showing you who's hard in prison, I should imagine. Uh, Patricia says, uh, my two favourite men in the same room, that's you and Julian Clary, comes across a very nice person. He's 50 now, I think. Doesn't quite seem possible, but he is 50. And, um... <laughs> Paul Fierce says, can we see the walking puppet from China? Will you? It's being... It's FedExed. Even as I speak, it is jetting its way across the world to arrive, and I will do a little video of the walking puppet from China, I promise you. If, if not, if not a, I don't know how to do a video. We'll have to... I'll, of course I do, of course I do. Yeah, we, we, I know how to do it, don't worry. Um, 84850, and, uh, um... What's this one here? Gerard Butler. Oh, I seem to have found Gerard Butler. <laughs> he's, he's started texting me as well. Um, and here's his Sam. He said, how could Steve Allen show not like this? And it's obviously a picture of, uh, of sort of Cambridge, I think. Is it? Oh, dear, what on earth is Sam doing? Why is Sam wearing funny clothes from Cambridge? Is he, is it, does he go to Cambridge University? Sam Lovell, did he, does he? Well, why is he wearing these? Has he rented these clothes? Yeah, but he's, he's wearing clothes of, an, of, a, of a graduate. Of a graduate. He's got the hat and everything. Oh, he graduated. Oh, where did he graduate from, then? Did he, gradu- he didn't graduate from Cambridge. Well, thank God for that. Oh, right. Oh, somewhere around here. Very interesting. Um, 84850, uk. Who else is with us uh, this morning? Dylan and... Uh, Pablo is here, and uh, Matt. Uh, anybody know who we is? The At Steve Allen Show, says Matt, said we when we go for afternoon tea. It's uh, it's a friend of mine. I'm not telling you who it is. You just have to guess, won't you, Matt? 
You'll have to guess who it is. But, uh, yes, it's... No, it's not an imaginary friend. In fact, there's quite a number of us who've been for uh, for tea. Sadly, we've not invited you. But there's probably a good reason for that, I should imagine. So, other stories in the paper, as if there were other stories in the paper today. Let's try and find them. Oh, this is the Paolo Di Canio. This one's popped up again. Here he is at a bomb fascist funeral, but he refuses to talk about his past. I'm not liking you a lot, I'm afraid, Mr Di Canio. The new Sunderland manager was paying his last respects to extremist pal, Paolo Sinlarelli, who spent eight years in jail after a 1980 attack which killed 85 people. What in God's name is this man doing over here? This man, is, is he a sympathiser? What is going on here? Fascist mourners made these straight-arm salutes. And, uh, and he said, I don't want to, uh, to talk about it. So the son had said he refused to answer a simple question yesterday. The simple question is, are you a fascist? OK, simple question, pal. If you don't understand it, we can get it translated for you. Do you understand what that means? Are you a fascist? Despite praising the wartime Italian dictator Mussolini, and as the sun reveals today, attending the funeral of an extremist friend, Di Canio thinks it's no-one else's business. Instead, he rebukes journalists and struts off in a huff. Queenie Fit, if you ask me, ladies and gentlemen. Are you a fascist? Perhaps that's what the fans should be shouting at Sunderland. Canada, are you a fa- They'd soon find out. I mean, he's got to answer it at some point. Think his days are numbered? I do. I do. I don't know why. I just think his days are numbered there. I just don't think it's going to run too long, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Another one here. Olivia says, In yesterday's show, you took gleeful swipes at Vicky Price as a perjurer and convicted of perjury. Whatever you may think of her, she was convicted of perverting the course of justice. Perjury, as you know. Well, she told lies in court. I mean, really, couldn't give a, couldn't give a forex either way. Geoffrey uh, Archer and Jonathan Aitken were found guilty of perjury, and each of their cold, calculated lies had material impact on other court cases. Uh, Vicky Price's offence, though admittedly a crime, amounts little more than a blink of stupidity. Well, whatever it is, she's in prison. She lied. She lied. And the reason she lied and tried to sell her husband down the river, river is because he was having sex with another woman. Nothing worse than a woman scorned, Olivia, I should imagine. And uh, she says, uh, the stupidity of the extremely bright, who so often have little common sense. I hope her prison regime is not so soft that she has a digital radio and listening to your show and decides to go after you. Oh, I think it's highly unlikely, Olivia. You don't sound a very pleasant person, do you? Something the matter with you, I think. don't like you at all. Not a nice person. But there again, you know... I suspect you're probably a bloke. Uh, Dawn. Who's Dawn O'Porter? Is this some new columnist? Guest columnist? I don't know who Dawn O'Porter is. I've never heard of her before. And I'm looking at her, thinking Dawn O'Porter. I'm looking at a picture of her, and you can follow her at Hot Patooties. Well, Hot Patooties was a line from, from the Rocky Horror Show. That's all I remember. That's all I remember. But uh, she talks about Kim Kardashian. She talks about the lineup at Glastonbury. The Rolling Stones are topping the bill, which sounds very good. And um, and she says here, um, what's she talking about? Oh, the eighties and wedding dresses and everything else and Princess Diana. And of course, that reminds me to tell you again that Jordan has her own wedding dress line out, which as somebody who's been married four times is probably absolutely delightful. Uh, people have been saying the internet is the future of TV for years, but that didn't really... I didn't know what it meant. She says, walk in The Fox Problem, a weekly magazine show that's just for the internet, by the genius of Google Hangouts. Don't ask me to explain that in any more technical detail. It's a show hosted by Georgia, 
and Georgie O'Kell and Gemma Carney. It covers music, chat and cocktails and all streamed live from the Birdcage in East London. She says, think if you can remember the girly show meets Tier 5 Friday. I don't know, Tier 5 Friday was sort of like an old thing, wasn't it, from a long, long time ago. So, so uh, not too sure about that. Uh, toe rag, the definition, says Robin, derives from old England, where convicts used to tie bits of shirt around their toes and feet as a makeshift sock. Hence, toe rag means scoundrel, criminal, thief, indecent, unlawful person. It is sometimes uh, seen spelt toe rag, T-O-W rag, because the original contact has long since been obsolete. Because there's all these old jobs, and that's why this was sent in to us. All these old occupations. A hanky man was a travelling magician in Victoria times. And this has come from, uh, from Merle, from, from New Malden. Um, um, a grim bribber is a lawyer. A grim bribber. I don't know how that one comes in. A Vulcan is a blacksmith. A Wainwright as you know, is a builder or repairer of wagons. And, and uh, a yeoman is a farmer who owns his own land. So there's some of the old jobs which you don't find nowadays. I'm with you on the gang culture, says Joe. When we were young, we had to be in at a certain time. We got the 20 questions. Ah, the famous five. There's a blast from the past. And with the awful news on the front page, great to be taken away by your jo- joyful tones. Yes, I think hanging this morning, I'm afraid, is the, uh, is the joyful tone, I'm afraid. Uh, read the Philpots. The justice system in this country has a lot to answer for, says Jenny. If somebody in America stabbed their ex-girlfriend 27 times, they get 100 years in prison. Over here, I mean, I'm sick to death. It Didn't Nick Ferrari have a case the other day of another judge who'd let somebody off because going to prison for accessing paedophile material would apparently be, be, be damaging for him? And you think you sometimes lose the will to live, don't you, really? It's just uh, just absolutely dreadful, I'm afraid. Dreadful. Uh, 84850, Mark reckons uh, toe rag comes from when vagrants used to tie rags around their toes because people couldn't afford shoes. So we, so we, now, know, we now know how that one works out. So it's, uh, it's a difficult one. Uh, we'll get some texts up for you in a moment. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And try and find some other stories... In the uh, in the papers, apart from the Philpots, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really know where you can go with it. I don't really know what you can say about it. Nick Ferrari is going to have a go this morning at trying to unravel, um, you know, what drives people to behave in this way. And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say mentally ill, but he wasn't mentally ill. He was milking the system. He'd never done a day's work in his life. They had everything. They didn't. They. I saw him on the Jeremy Carl show. He's a piece of filth. But mind you, I think most people on the Jeremy Carl show are a piece of filth. He appeared to have a caravan on the drive. For some reason, they've asked... Uh, I mean, I think Anne Widdicombe had appeared on television with Mick Philpot. For what, for, for what reason? What was she uh, appearing on? We're not, we haven't quite found out. We were trying to get hold of Anne Widdicombe, but apparently she's tied up exclusively to another programme. So uh, she's not doing anything at all. I think the saddest thing... The saddest thing is just seeing six coffins going out there. Even sadder were people taking photographs of them. Not, not the press. These were either family, friends or supporters going, how dreadful for this family, they've lost all their children without realising it's the family that have killed them. The family that have killed them. They've actually, you know, their children have died as a result of what they did and they showed no remorse at all. Not one tear. Nothing was shed. That's how bad it was. They showed nothing. All the police officers knew exactly, as indeed anybody with half a sense 
of decency would know. You would look at them and know you're a liar. In fact, I think I went so far as to say, you know, the, the evidence is fairly overwhelming. Fairly overwhelming against them. In fact, by day two, it had built up so much, so there was no way that they could recover from it. And the jury went out. I'd love to have been on that jury. Well, I'm not sure about eight hours deliberation, but it was overwhelming. Guilty, Mr Philpot. Guilty. And uh, I'm sure that you'll pay the price. I'm sure that you'll pay the price. Uh, one here says, with the Savoy and the like, you're paying for the label. It's all psychological. The sandwich to your brain tastes exquisite because you paid over the odds for them. If you discovered it was from Aldi or Little, it would soon taste bad, says somebody. I don't think it works like that, actually. I'm, I'm led to believe that the, uh, the Savoy... I'm not paying for the label. I'm not paying for the label. I'm paying for the surroundings. I'm paying for being in a beautiful room. I'm paying for somebody serving lovely tea, giving you a glass of champagne, giving you lovely elderberry jelly, depending on where you go, having exquisite sandwiches served to you and cakes and everything else. I'm paying for an experience. Whether that comes under a label remains to be seen, but no, I'm paying for an experience. And in fact, tea in London hotels, they all do it. They all do it. There's not any one hotel that does not offer afternoon tea. And my advice is go. Go. I think at the um, the Dorchester, it's either £45 or £48 a head. Something like that. Whatever it is, it's about 90-something for two people. So that that's what you're looking at. But then, you know, if you don't want to do that kind of thing, don't do it. Go and have a cup of tea at Starbucks. Do what you want. Stay at home. It's not for everybody. It's a treat. Although some people, I think, treat it just as afternoon tea and would go every day of the week. But as far as I was concerned, it's beautiful. And I've done it four times now. And I'm going to do it again in about a week's time. So there. London's biggest converse with Steve Allen. Morning. Competition time. Yes, today it is the gadget giveaway, ladies and gentlemen. Yesterday, Claire Weymouth from Cheshire correctly identified that the Lowry Arts and Entertainment Centre is in Manchester and won herself a fabulous iPod, the Fanny Wang headphones and the iTunes downloads. Today, in the gadget giveaway, wait for this, wait for this one. It's a Toshiba laptop with Windows 8. So this is a great laptop for everyday computing. And you could get your hands on it at 6.30 this morning. One lucky listener will win a great new laptop today just by answering this question correctly. In which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? In which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? To enter, text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850. Got to be here before 6.30. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. So in which UK city, for the Toshiba laptop with Windows 8, in which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? Text the word gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time of 6.30, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions at lbc.co.uk. And that's this morning's gadget giveaway. So well done to Claire Weymouth from Cheshire for yesterday, because she's got the... the, the Wang headphones, the fabulous iPod and the iTunes downloads. Fantastic. Apparently, after uh, George Formby died, there was 60,000 quid misappropriated for under his bed in cash. And, uh, and Gerard Butler, Steve, he's A-list 
Ask him from me how he got to be so masculine and why he makes Jason Statham look like Kelly Brook. <laughs> it's amazing how much, how much interest we have all of a sudden in uh, in Gerard Butler. I quite like that idea. I mean, roughly, I, I think we, we look similar. He might not think this when uh, when we do the interview this morning. I think he's in about for for eight thirty. I think or so. He's doing an interview first of all with Kevin Hughes from our showbiz department. Then he's doing me, and then he's got a couple of interviews. He won't be moving out of the studio upstairs. Paul Souls, as long as he's kept topped up with tea and coffee and stuff like that. Uh, Beryl ruled the roost. Says Kevin the Milman, you will enjoy the George Formby. He says, uh, and I, I was in a gang that carried knives. I was in the fourteenth Harlow Boy Scouts. Says Kevin, now whistling George Formby songs. I think they were lovely. I mean, there's something about it. it was It was from a different era, wasn't it? It was a nice era. Nice era. Steve Rajar confirmed, at this time in London, you are the best in London, bar none. Um, it is true. We are, we are the most listened to programme in London at this time. We are the most listened to, bar none. I don't want to, we, we, we don't normally sort of shout about it. It's not the kind of thing we need to shout about. It's, it's, it's all there. Uh, 84850, UK. Did you ever watch Goodnight Sweetheart with Nicholas Lindhurst? Um, I saw bits of it. This is where he wandered through a wall and went into a different time, didn't he? I was, it was okay. It was okay. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, that, uh, that, the producer loved it, but then, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve, you must understand some of us are living on a shoestring. Well, you can't be if you can afford to text. I love this idea. I'm living on a shoestring. Do you smoke? Yeah, about 40 a day. And uh, do you drink? Yeah, yeah. Go to the pub every night. Do you gamble? Yeah, gamble. But we're living on a shoestring. I love it. The, the, the British idea. That's why it made me laugh when somebody was talking to Duncan earlier. And, um, and Ian Duncan Smith says he can live on 53 quid for a week. Of course you can live on 53 quid. Easy peasy. All right. You can't if you're having to pay rent. You can't if you're having to run a car. You can't if you're you know, having to pay all your bills. But if you're just talking about living, like, you know, you can go to charity shops for clothes. You don't buy clothes every day, do you? And food. Was it Jamie Oliver who said that he could feed a family of four on a fiver? A family of four. So if there's only one of you, of course you can live on 53 quid. And someone was going, oh, you definitely couldn't live on that. I thought you were off your trolley, love. Of course you can live on 53 quid. I mean, that's three party barrels from Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's 24 pieces of chicken. That's... 12 portions of chips and three Viennettas. And you're telling me you can't live on that for the week? And that's about eight ninety nine, isn't it? So about, say, nine, nine, three, twenty-seven. You've still got money left over to go gambling and see if you can win some more. God, dear me. So uh, when you talk about tea for two at 90 quid, it makes us feel like we're there with you. Oh, God, I hope not. Oh, nothing like that. And people turning up when we're having tea. All of a sudden, people turning up and go, we're with Steve. <laughs> over there. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Poor old Stacey at the Jewellery Channel. Oh, God, you're not a Gems TV, are you? Oh, my God. I watch Bid TV. There's some reason they've started doing the jewellery in the early hours of the morning. And they're all, all the blokes are market traders, aren't they, Stacey? Come on, they're all market... All right, darling, hello, what do you think of this? They can dress them up in suits or do whatever they like with them. They still look dodgy. And uh, and on the on the Jewellery Channel, I don't know which one the Jewellery Channel is, Gems TV, I don't know where they get the women on that one from. They must have come out of the... Oh, my God! <gasps> the bus has arrived. You know, they're like that. They're that... Oh, I can't believe it! I've got a phone! Because we celebrate today the, the mobile phone. They, they get excited. You'd have to say to them, would you like a sweet? For me? I can't believe it. A sweet? Would you like it for yourself? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll bite it in half. We'll have half each. They're like that. They're the sort of people who share chewing gum. 
She says, we know you don't like us, but we love you. Don't start that. That's stalking. I've had people arrested for less. Uh, 84850. Uh, do you remember the knocker-uppers? Do you remember knocker-uppers? Will, Will has reminded me. There was a woman she used to go round, and she had a long pole, and she would bang on people's windows to wake them up. She was a knocker... It's true, seriously. It's true. They used to be called knocker-uppers. And, um, and, and that's what they did. They would come round. I forget what it called. Penny a week or something stupid. And she would... She would sorry, what? When? Oh, God, years ago. Hardly recently, dear. Hardly recently. We've had alarm clocks for some years now, so you don't really need a knocker-upper. You just, in fact, you don't need anything like that at all. But she would come around and bang on your window. You can imagine, can't you? Must drive you absolutely mad. Must drive you absolutely mad. The, who's, who's banging on the window? The knocker-upper. Oh, God, make her go away. Make her go. I mean, what do you do if you don't? I suppose you have to open the window and go, we're up, we're up, all right, we're up. Don't keep going on about it. Uh, Neil says, bedtime live. What if you could help? I've got this problem. Every morning, Monday to Friday, my little Neil, without fail, as regular as clockwork, wakes up on the dot at 4am. He wakes us all up and then puts the radio on. I've tried laying on the floor next to him singing lullabies, but he won't have any of it. He has to listen to some bloke on LBC until 6.30. Even on Sundays, he's awake at 5. No lying for us. I just don't know what to do, says Lorraine in Enfield. Oh, dear. I mean, it's dreadful. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. If something's addictive, you have to kind of just go with the flow. Strangely enough, I'm also up listening to this bloke as well. You know why? Because there's nothing else on the radio. There's no point in... It just, it's very sweet, you know, people playing music. And I don't get me wrong, you know, I have lots of friends who are in music. And, uh, and it's, it's very nice. This is, that was, here we go, and a quick weather check. You know, it's not exactly stretching the brain, is it? Not exactly making you think a little bit. And also, if you're unemployed, you know, if you're sort of waking up this morning thinking, oh, what shall I do today? You know, th- th- at least the least you can do is listen to this, this programme. Because it's, it, will, it will give you a rough idea of what's going on for the day. And you'll have a rough idea of what the news agendas are. It'll make you feel good. Uh, Neil says, my darling Lorraine and I have been married for 31 years. He says, I don't know how she puts up with me, but laughter keeps us going. You're still doing that trick, are you? I like that idea. They all say that laughter actually is the key to a marriage. It's it's the key to a relationship. It's the key to and separate bedrooms helps as well. You know, because if somebody snores and uh, you know, that, that that can ruin a relationship. I've got this friend of mine at the moment, I told you yesterday, who is desperately trying to find love in London. And so far it's not being very successful. But at least they're making an effort. At least and I've always said if you want to find love in London, get a job as a barman, because you'll meet everybody. Don't get a job as a waitress. That's no good. You don't want your job as a waitress, because people don't take a blind bit of notice of you, because they go, uh, two cappuccinos, no chocolate on one, all right? No chocolate, thank you. OK. And off they go. But if you've, if you've got a bar person, a bar man or a bar woman, whoever it is, people talk to you. People talk to you. They go, hello, how are you? And very soon, a good barman will remember your drinks. So that's nice. You know, nobody's going to remember... Well, in fact, they do remember my uh, coffee when I go and get coffee and stuff like that. I did laugh the other day. I pitched up on television, and it must have been an old programme, and it had uh, Jason Manford on, without realising the irony. I think it must have been recorded some years ago, because he was talking about dirty phone calls, and I thought, well, that's you, Jason Manford, isn't it? Dirty boy Manford, I'm afraid, as he's now known in the business. Some poor woman goes into Argos the other day, and she buys a, um, a DVD player for her kids... And she got this machine. I mean, it makes you laugh, doesn't it? A DVD player now. How much? 20 quid. 
£20. Years ago, they were hundreds of pounds. Now, 20 quid. And so she bought it for her children to watch Disney movies on. But apparently there was already a DVD inside. It was an XXX film. I think just X covers it, doesn't it, really, nowadays. And she said it was really disgusting. My eldest, my eldest was saying, what's that, mummy? Well, it depends what they were looking at. I mean, it's either Fanny Wang, headphones, or failing that, it's somebody's dangly bits. I mean, there can't be anything else, unless it's one of those really peculiar films. In which case, we have no knowledge of those whatsoever at all, I'm afraid. Uh, other stories of the papers today. A pub drinker was told she couldn't be served a glass with handles because of health and safety rules. What? What? She was stunned when staff told her it was illegal to pour drinks into the traditional mugs. Now, this is absolutely ludicrous. That's all we used to get when I used to work in a pub years ago. People came in and they had their beer in a jug. You held it. Like a jug. Nowadays, they're called straight glasses, so people actually ask, don't they? They say, can I have a straight glass? And you go, well, if you want, yeah. I mean, I think around our way, we're very lucky because we have rugby. Uh, we, we don't give people glasses at all. We give them plastic. It's so much safer. You know, because that way, then you're not going to get, you know, broken glass. And people, for some inexplicable reason, do actually drop glasses. I have been known to drop a glass before. So plastic is, is very good for me. Uh, 84850. Listening to the conversation, read the extra five million for the monarch. Knowing how frugal the Queen tries to be. It's probable that she needs ten million, but it'll carry on for the lesser amount, even if it's difficult. Also, to put things into perspective, not far from me is a house on the market for 4.5 million. And that's in a fairly ordinary road, says Anne. Uh, whilst I realise that property prices in my area are above the average, none of these properties are what you would describe as a footballer's mansion. So the Queen's request is quite modest. Oh, listen, around Richmond, an average house in a good road on Richmond Hill, three to four million. That would be that would be an average house. That would be an Edwardian property, probably with six bedrooms. I mean, I looked at one the other day. When I say looked, OK, I wasn't thinking to buy it. I was just looking at it. It was on Knight Frank's website. And it's in a nice road in Kingston. And it's an Edwardian house, six bedrooms, lovely big open hallway, stairs off, big reception rooms and everything else. And they're looking for 3.2 million. But the good news is it's got bedrooms with all ensuite bathrooms. And in the garden, there's a nice sized garden and a swimming pool for 3.2 million. Now, people listening to us up north, not necessarily Cheshire, but places in May, must be absolutely wetting themselves going, well, how much is an average flat in London? Well, around our way, a quarter of a million kind of sets you off on an average flat. And that's... I remember a friend of mine, he bought a house in Ealing, like a little terrace kind of place. I said, how much did you pay for it? He said, I paid 300000 I said, what? Over a quarter of a million. My parents, for their first house, spent 650 quid. And the last house that they had... Not the last house, but the one that we had in Newbury, I think they sold for 24500 And that was a four-bedroom, detached, big garden, drive, garage front garden, everything. You know, I mean, you get a lot. And I think they'd actually paid 8000 for it some years before. Now, property through the roof, ladies and gentlemen. On F- Morning, four minutes past five. Can't resist mentioning, says John the Projectionist. Today is the birthday of Doris Day. Doris Day is 89. Good grief. Although virtually a recluse... She now lives alone in her ranch-type residence just outside Carmel, but still finds time to devote her time and effort looking after and caring for dogs via the Doris Day Foundation. I shall always treasure the memory of her presence up there on the silver screen. You're quite right, actually, John. She doesn't like doing interviews. She'll do them down the phone, I think, because that's it, because she doesn't... 
you know, she doesn't want to see people now because they go, oh, this is what she looked like and this is what she looks like now. She's 89. You're entitled at 89, as far as I'm concerned, to let yourself go, behave disgracefully and run around the garden, start naked if you so choose. I don't think actually Doris Day does any of those things, but it would be quite nice to think that she did. But at least she's got a legacy of, of films and she was wholesome. You know, she never did anything that wasn't good girl-next-door stuff, even though I'm sure she absolutely tried to sort of, you know, give me something a little bit more edgy. But I thought she was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Uh, celebrities behind closed doors today. Let's see what rubbish poor old Nelly Sean's managed to come up with today in the Metro. It's always a bit of a joke, actually, is to see how out-of-date he is. Um... Professor Green insists he won't be selling out if he appears with fiancé Millie McIntosh in a glossy mag. It's all about us and what we want, he says. And for that, presumably, it's a bit of filthy money. So uh, so take the golden shilling and uh, don't give us this working-class boy attitude anymore, OK? We know what you are. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, former X Factor winner Alexandra Burke has sold out shows at the Royal Albert Hall as Billie Holiday. See, the trouble is, that'll be interesting. Is she, is she just singing Billie Holiday songs? God bless the child that's got his own. That's got his own. Because Billie Holiday was stoned out of her mind, wasn't she? She was a heroin addict, I think. She certainly did mainline drugs. I mean, she was off a trolley most of the time. But if you want to see what she looked like, then you can check her out on the internet. She's got she's got albums. And, of course, there was a, a great um, film, Lady Sings the Blues, with Diana Ross. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, and also, Sue Perkins, her comedy heading out, is heading for the bin, says Nelly Sean. He says a second series unlikely after dire ratings first time around on BBC Two. Oh, I don't know, that just generally doesn't stop them, does it? Strangely enough, uh, Andy McCall, bless his heart, honestly, he did the same as I did yesterday. He went to bed at 10.30, woke up at 11, got in the shower and started getting ready. Now, that's a misspent youth, ladies and gentlemen. That's, you know, don't have mushrooms before you go to bed, OK? You know, because you're off with the pixies. But the truth, see, I, I was only... Sorry? You what? Oh, Andy McCall? Oh, definitely Andy McCall, definitely. Has he been smoking that funny stuff again? I've warned him about that. I've said to him, not at your age, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. But I did the same. At least I didn't start getting ready. I just went into the panic. I just went into the panic because my boss came in yesterday and he said, what was that thing that you were doing? I said, well, I, I, I fell asleep at 3.30 in front of the television. I woke up at 4.30 and I thought it was 4.30 in the morning. I said, he thought it was funny. I don't know why. I, I mean, I, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I've never been late for a show yet. I've never been late for a show yet. I remember years and years ago, a crowd of us went out and it was one, one Christmas. I was doing overnights. On uh, when was I doing it? it? Wasn't LBC? I was doing it some some other place, and uh, and we fell asleep and it started snowing, and so we woke up. We all just fell asleep in the sitting room. We had a bottle of wine or something like that, and um, fell asleep in the sitting room. When we woke up, because it had been snowing, it was still light, and so we didn't realize. And I thought we'd all overslept. I thought we'd we'd been asleep for hours, but in fact we hadn't. We'd been asleep for like an hour. And it really panics you, but I've, I've come to the conclusion I start doing these things now. I've started doing all sorts of things. I sit sometimes in the shower in the morning. Yes, I sit in the shower. And, and I'll, I'll sort of say, I can't remember somebody's name. And I think sometimes I really struggle with remembering somebody's name. And I sit there and stare into the distance, trying to get an image of them, a picture. And yet, strangely, I can remember all sorts of things. Like, I can remember Sophie Parkin and Molly Parkin on this show from years ago. She can't remember it. But there again, there's other things that I probably can't remember at the same time. There's um, a horrible man in the paper today. His name is Sean 
Tustin. This is a fat, bloated, overweight, nasty piece of work. What he does, he's a father of three. Uh, he's cheating on his wife already, OK? He's a father of three. Oh, God in name, you look at the state of him. But anyway, he comes from Port Talbot. And uh, he met a woman at a bar. I don't know what sort of person he is, but I've got a rough idea. And then they sent sexual texts to each other, as people do. Anyway, um, when the 23-year-old found out the student had a boyfriend, he demanded cash to keep their affair secret. So after they met up for sex, this this bloke who plays for Baglan Rugby Clubs in the Welsh League, um, he said, listen, either give me money or I'm going to tell your boyfriend that we're having sex. He's that low rent. So she handed him three three hundred pounds, and they tried it on again. He's a blackmailer. Luckily, they've sent him to prison for twenty months. So that's just under two years. That'll get the weight off you, won't it, Mister Tustin? In prison, what a piece of lo- why do people? Oh God, honestly, what a piece! I hope the wife's going to divorce him, but you know they like in Wales. I'm going to stick by my man. <laughs> I think they talk like that. Oh, uh, incidentally. Good news for presenters everywhere. Good news. I don't want, to, don't want to put a smile on your face this early in the morning, but I'm delighted to tell you that uh, Brian Dowling has been dropped as the presenter of Big Brother. Hallelujah. The world's worst presenter has gone, and uh, it's gone to Emma Willis, because she was always the right choice, because she's very good, she looks right. Brian Dowling... I'm afraid a bit dated now. He was dated when he was a trolley dolly. He was dated when he won Celebrity Big Brother and then he won it again when he went back in again. But unfortunately, to actually describe him as a presenter is is lame in the extreme. So Emma Willis, the face of Big Brother, much, much better. He apparently is a little bit, uh, little bit upset about it. I don't know why. Because he's got a year to run on the contract, they're going to pay the contract. About 100,000 quid, so it doesn't pay that much, does it, really? Which is very interesting. But uh, she's going to inject a bit of glamour into the show. And they haven't announced who the, who the sidekick is. They, um, the reason they haven't announced who the sidekick is because it's going to be an unknown. So who's going to replace Emma Willis on what she was doing? Oh, I don't know. Is it Rylan Clark? God, I'm going to be sick. Julian Clary likes Rylan. He thinks he's talented. I said, are you serious? I said, oh, dear, Rylan Clark. There's, there's, he said, no, he's a very good presenter. I thought, I must be... Perhaps Julian, Julian Clary has, has mellowed over the years. I kind of talk, do we? I don't want to talk to people who sort of... who disagree with me. That's pointless. That's pointless. You know, you want, you want people who aren't going to... Uh, do, the one thing we were talking about was how glamorous we thought Joan Collins was the other day. We were saying, both Julian and I, that, you know, she looks fantastic. She really does. But there again, you see... Barbara Windsor looks fantastic. She looks fantastic. I'm, I'm always frightened to mention her age around her because she doesn't look her age, doesn't act her age or anything at all, and she's like Joan Collins. You know, I don't think Barbara's had any work done at all. You can always tell if people had work done, she would look somewhat odd, but she hasn't. And uh, Joan Collins says here, I do everything except ironing and hoovering. I mean, she's ab- amazing, amazing. Mind you, I can't quite see Barr going round with a hoover. For some reason, I don't see a hoover and Barbara Windsor. But there you go. That's just me, Scott, this morning, I'm afraid. Uh, Gwenny says, I'm, I'm offering Steve to come in and mop Gerard Butler's brow and peel some grapes. This is... Uh, listen, will you stop it? He's not going to be having people touching him and coming in here and making life difficult. I know he's good-looking. I appreciate the fact he's Hollywood A-list, OK? 
but he's in with me for in conversation. I mean, I shall have to sort of point out to him the uh, the striking similarity between the two of us and the. F- <laughs> I wonder how that's going. That's probably not, not going to go down at all. Well, actually, eight four eight five zero Stephen LBC. Thank you, Paul in Manchesterford, for pointing that one out because we've got the the competition today and uh, the Fanny Wang headphones and the iPod. And the iTunes downloads, I think 100 iTunes downloads, went to Claire Weymouth from Cheshire. Today, it's a Toshiba laptop with Windows 8. So it's a great laptop for everyday computing. You can get your hands on it this morning at 6.30. One lucky listener. What is the matter with me? Do you know, every day now, I mean, this is just shoddy. Shoddy presenting. I'm going to remonstrate with myself. I'm very sorry indeed that uh, that today you've been provided with with a presenter who can't speak. I'm terribly sorry. So if you want to get your hands on the Toshiba laptop with Windows 8, the question is, in which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? You text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, then your answer, and then you send that to 84850 before 6.30. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may be charged. Full terms and conditions on lbc.co.uk. So good luck. Good luck. Uh, the subject of Jimmy Clitheroe, as you rightly say, says Paul, Jimmy Clitheroe was a huge star, never any bigger than four foot three until the day he died. Could easily have passed for an 11-year-old. Patricia Burke played his mum on the radio, The Clitheroe Kid, which is still being repeated. Is it? Re- I used to love The Clitheroe Kid. Hello, Mr. Higginbottom, he used to say. He had a sister who was quite posh, and she had a she had a boyfriend called Alfie. That's all I remember. His TV mum was Molly Sugden, and Danny Ross was the sister Susan's boyfriend. He, he, I, 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 he, I can remember his voice. I used to love stuff like that. And um, he says he made the film too, too much too shy with George, but later turned up in the film Jules Verne's Rocket to the Moon, playing General Tom Thumb with Burl Ives... Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. As Barnum, with a supporting cast including Gert Frobe, who's in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Derek Francis from O oh Brother, Stratford Johns and Terry Thomas, to name but a few. He lived with his mother. He died from an overdose of sleeping pills on the day of her funeral. You may remember, yes, I remember that. That was very sad. He was very affected by the death of his mother, and so he died on the, the day of the funeral. And he says, you may remember me mentioning the BBC Studios, a stone's throw from my nan and granddad's house on Dickinson Road in uh, Rushome, just around the corner from Manchester's Curry Mile, which I know you know well. A converted church from which shows like Top of the Pops and the Val Dunican Show were later transmitted. Before that, it was the Mancunian Film Studios. Names after this? News headlines with Dan Whitehead. A couple who killed their six children in a... 97.3 Morning, gadget giveaway this morning. As you already know, bit exciting, bit exciting, because you can never have too many... Laptops And today it's a Toshiba laptop with Windows 8. Can be yours by 6.30 this morning. At 6.30, somebody, somebody will win it. A Toshiba laptop. Great laptop for everyday computing. I mean, it, I don't need to tell you. You know, we've got some, got some nice gadgets on the gadget giveaway on LBC 97.3. And uh, the question today is, just one person will win it. 
Uh, in which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? In which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? To enter this one, you text the word gadget. Very important you put gadget. I know I keep reminding you every day, and I know 99.9% of you know this. But if you don't put the word gadget, it disappears into another box and we lose it. So it's G-A-D-G-E-T. Then your answer... And then you send that to 84850 before 0630 this morning. You've got about an hour and ten minutes. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. And if you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions on lbc.co.uk. That's for the Toshiba laptop with Windows 8, which can be yours this morning. And it was Claire Weymouth from Cheshire who got the, uh, the fabulous iPod. The, uh, the headphones and the iTunes downloads as well yesterday. So just going back quickly to the Mancunian Film Studios, they had Frank Randall there. I tell you what I watched the other... I must have just... While well, I'm on the subject, because I watched it. And it was a show called... Lon- it was a film called London Town. And I think it's got... Was it Sid Field in it? It might be Sid Field. Whatever it was, I didn't think he was that good. But it's also got... The, the reason I watched it is because it's got a very, very young Petula Clark... A very young. She was probably about 13, 14 in this film. Very, very good indeed. And it was a, a snapshot of London at the time because it had Tessie O'Shea. And Tessie O'Shea was sort of... She was quite a large lady and used to play a ukulele. And she also appeared at the Mancunian Film Studios with even... Even Diana Dawes made films there. Also George Formby, Betty Driver. And um, if you Google Mancunian Films, the website is called It's a Hotten which was one of Mr Randall's catphrases. You will not be disappointed, says Paul. Thank you for that. Thank you. I should try and remember to do that that later. Uh, I listen to your show in Thailand, says Richard. And it's late morning here. Well, it depends what sort of job you're in, actually, does it, I suppose? I don't know. You're working in a bar or something? Would, would that be a, a good indication? I don't, I've never been to Thailand. I keep meaning to go, actually. It's one of those sort of places, because I love Thai food. I love, it's, sort of, it's not really the best reason, is it, under the sun. I like Thailand because I like Thai food. I really do. I mean, I'm quite a big... I could eat Thai food all of the time, actually. All of the time. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, another one here, very quickly. This is from... Oh, you're going to check the weather for today. And then I decided I wasn't really going to worry about the uh, the weather. I've decided we don't need to... to you, listen, you just need to know it's cold. That's all you need to know. Cold outside today. And uh, biggest joke... In prison sentencing is when a person is convicted of more than one crime. The sentence for each one's are to run concurrently. The convicted must be laughing their socks off, says Malcolm. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? That is the problem nowadays. That, you know, people go into... We've had all sorts of cases that have come up in the papers. And I've looked at them thinking, well, that'll carry a prison sentence. And then, lo and behold, it doesn't. They get community service. And, and for that one, I really, I really don't understand it. Uh, 84850... Nick in Ascot says, good morning, Mr. Allen. No more first names. Not that I wish to give your ego a good feed, but I used to wake up and listen to the Steve Allen show. Now I wake up to listen to the Steve Allen show. Tell your producer you're due a raise for garnering... Oh, listen, she's got no, no say in the extra money coming in. If only... If only, but she did this, she fell into the trap. There was no cup of tea, there were no biscuits on a side plate. And she said, morning, Steve. Like there's some familiarity going on. You know, like she knows me. You know, that kind. You know, and it's, it's a little bit too obvious. You know, don't want to make a big thing about it. You know, because it's not a big thing, as long as she knows her place. Subservient, you know. And, um, but she's got nothing to do with money, I'm afraid. That comes, that comes from another department. 
And uh, believe you me, I've tried. I've tried. In the paper, I never understand why they show pictures in the papers of Talisa. She's not doing anything. She just happens to be stepping out in L.A. She was going out for dinner in Beverly Hills. So somebody takes a picture and sends it to the papers and they put, here's a picture of Talisa in L.A. I don't quite understand that one at all, but never mind. It doesn't quite work for me. Uh, who's this one here? Oh, binge drinking and students in, uh, in Florida. UK students going over to Florida and all they do is drink. The American students do exactly the same, I'm afraid. And they... It's, you see, it's I didn't, we didn't do that. When I was younger, nobody actually went out and did the, uh, the student partying thing. And I spoke to somebody yesterday, uh, John, who's just come back from a 40th birthday party in uh, Las Vegas. And he said it was fantastic. He said, but hot. But hot. Very, very hot. Um, new style country estate for Kate and William... It looks a bit like an upmarket Barrett home, but what they've managed to do, I think the Queen owns it. They're going to put a new driveway in, there'll be some new shrubs planted. It's a bit of a big place. It's called Anne Hall. It is, it is quite large as they go. There's only two of them, well, three. Then there'll be a staff, I suppose, and it will be for entertaining. But I'm not sure if they do entertaining. I've not, I've not heard of anything where they, where they actually want to get people around there, but I suppose they will eventually, won't they, seeing as he's... Sort of first in line to the throne, or second after Charles. And also the truth about Michael Jackson's final days is now going to be revealed in court. No doubt we will be seeing this on the television, because the family have begun a legal battle over his death. How much are they suing for? £26 billion. £26 billion. And who they're suing uh, is the uh, person who was putting on the entertainment group, uh, AEG Live. That's who they're blaming for the death of Michael Jackson. But I watched, I mean, call me naive and call me somebody who just sort of watches, but when I watched Michael Jackson rehearsing for the shows which he never got round to doing, he didn't look ill or tired or anything at all. In fact, he seemed to have loads of energy. Now, whether it was all, I mean, I understand the, the principle of editing. I quite understand that. I understand exactly what that is. But 26 billion. I mean, it's beginning to, you know, it, it's not going to bring him back, is it? It's not going to bring him back, and I don't think it's likely to succeed here. But um, AEG's lawyers will seek to prove that Murray, who is the uh, the doctor, who was jailed for four years after being convicted of involuntary manslaughter in 2011, was hired by Jackson himself. Because we don't know what... I don't know what went on behind the scenes. I just remember that fateful night where they said Michael Jackson's died. It's, I know it's, it's r- ridiculous, but the more you're in the business and the longer you're in the business, the more you suddenly start realising that when people go, it's kind of final. It's kind of final. You know, we all expected Michael Jackson. He was the Peter Pan of pop. You expect him to go forever. It's like, you know, when at some point in the future I'll be saying Cliff Richard has passed it. He hasn't, incidentally, if you've just turned on the radio and you just heard Cliff Richard has passed away. I'm not saying, but I'm saying that that's the effect that it has on you. If you're a fan of somebody, and I've just bought all the films, I've just started sitting down to watch them again. So in between my George Formby fascination and the Cliff Richard films, my afternoons are fairly, fairly well sorted at the moment. But I would be equally shocked because you expect him to, to go forever. But I'm, I'm convinced, as indeed in the case of Michael Jackson, after Michael Jackson died, the books that came out. I mean, we did one, didn't we? With one of the uh, the Jackson brothers. Although, you know, to give them their due, they were good as a backing band. But Michael Jackson was the star. Michael Jackson was the one who you watch. Cliff Richard, much as I love The Shadows, and The Shadows are very successful, it was Cliff Richard who was, who was the star. You know, people just loved Cliff Richard. The films were a little bit corny, but it didn't matter. I liked that kind of thing. 
So that, that will be equally. But I promise you anything, after Cliff Richard goes, and it's not going to be for some years yet, there's going to be all sorts of books out, I bet you. Let's face it, they're still writing books about Kenny Everett. Cleo Rockers touting her one around. But I'm not sure whether or not £26 billion is going to be falling into the Jacksons' hands any time soon. I don't really know. If it's, if it's proven that uh, AEG lawyers will prove that the doctor, who is Mr Murray... Uh, was hired by Michael Jackson, because I'm assuming Michael Jackson would have the final say. It's his show. They'd say, so, Michael, what do you think about this? Whatever he said on the stage went. If he said, can we do this bit? They did it, because he knew what he was doing. And exactly the same on this one. So it's going to be a very expensive... I hope they don't go into court, the Jackson family, and waste what money has come in for the children. I I, I mean, I really hope that doesn't happen. Uh, Incidentally, when you want to create a good impression... Do you change your accent? Do you, do, you, do you become terribly posh? Apparently, lots of people do. One in five Britons admits they put on a phony accent to project a different image, depending on who they're talking to. When I talk to the producer, I go, all right, darling, how you doing? You know, because she understands that. When I'm speaking to the boss, you know, I'm having a perfectly reasonable conversation, and she doesn't understand when I talk like this. She'll sometimes say to me, here, Gov, what are you talking about? And I'll sort of go, well, I'm speaking to the boss. You know, you have to do it slowly for it because she doesn't understand. Because she, she's cockney. She's a professional cockney in the business. And uh, so, when I, so when I speak to her, I have to do it in her language. And so, as it's been proven in the papers, one in five people change their accent. I mean, I could, I could mingle with royalty. In fact, I have mingled with quite a few queens in my time. But it has to be said that you do, you know, you do adjust your... If I'm talking to people on the bus, all right, mate, how are you doing? I'm a bit like that. And that's to the bus conductress. Not that we have bus conductresses now. If I'm down at Waterloo Station, I bump into Lenny, or I bump into uh, to Brian, I go, good morning, gentlemen. It's nice to see you. You know, that's the kind of person I am. I can adapt. I think that's why I'm successful. I think it's why I'm successful. But talking to the producer, I mean, sometimes when I, when I go posh... On the pro, sometimes I do a posh serious bit, and she sits there, and I can tell by the fact she's glazed over that it's not quite registered, you know, which is okay. She's young, you know, she's uh, she's forty-seven now, coming up, and uh, you know, might make it to the fiftieth. <laughs> I'm hoping not to be here for it. Imagine how big the present's going to have to be for that one. We'll never get near the cake. The amount of candles on it will be driven back by the heat, I should imagine. More from the uh, the papers and the fact that you're all DIY dunces. Believe it or not, you cannot wire plugs. Well. I can wire plugs blindfolded. Best not, though, because you get the colours mixed up. And you really don't want to put them in. But, of course, the only plugs that uh, confuse me a little bit are the American plugs. They don't have an earth. They're just two-pin plugs. I prefer the good old earth, so I understand how to do them. The only thing I can't do, I can't wire up light switches. I'm rubbish at light, light switches. But I can do a plug very easily. So my place is just full of plugs that I've wired up. They don't go anywhere, I just wire them up. Just for the sake of saying I'm not a DIY dunce. More on that after the news. It's 5.30. Morning! Let's try to sound cheerful. It's been a terrible week. Although yesterday, yesterday was beautiful. The weather, it was actually sunny, but it was cold. So, you know, the river looks lovely. Bit high at the moment as all the snow is melted up north and it ends up down here in Richmond and going through Twickenham as well. You can tell when the river's high because it uh, it floods a little bit quicker. And Whittacombe's column today, because she appeared with the Philpots, but she's not mentioned this at all in the column. Uh, I think because she's under starter's orders with some television programme, I think they've got her on a retainer to talk about things. But she was looking out for April Fool's jokes and she said, I thought I found one. 
She said, I, I was reading that a WPC was suing a victim of burglary because she fell over a curb when she answered his 999 call. But no, she said it wasn't April the 1st at all, and the story was real. Because apparently there are huge compensation claims in this country and people put in. But you don't really expect a, a police, a WPC, do you, to answer a 999 call, fall over a curb, and then seven months on decide to sue the bloke for £50,000. And I'm thinking, this is just awful. This woman's going to be laughed at. They're going to point at her. They're going to go, listen, uh, 999, yes, don't send that other woman. They're not going to want her to go out on her. She'll be desk-bound. Then she'll sue the force. I can see the scenario. I've seen it time and time again. Because they'll be going, listen, people don't want you to... The moment she pitches up somebody, they go, don't come through the gate. Don't, I don't want you anywhere near my property. Go away. Go away. Go back to the station now. Send somebody else. OK, that's what it's going to be like. You're not going to be trusting her at all, are you? She's had two compensation claims already before. She had an accident and she was off work for a while. Then she's got this one. Uh, they need to get them fit, though. I tell you, there's some quite overweight coppers out there at the moment. Uh, I'm going to tell you what the weather is today, just to ruin your day, I'm afraid. Some Oh, here we go. You're not going to like this one at all. It's currently one degree centigrade, so so much warmer than yesterday when it was zero. Cloudy and cold, particularly in the breeze. Some snow showers moving in from the east. Uh, tonight, generally cloudy. Further snow showers likely, mainly to the east and south of London. Remaining cold with a frost developing. Hello? Hello? Excuse me? Is anybody listening up there in heaven? Is there no end to this winter? Is there no end? I didn't put my heating on yesterday. I didn't put it on because I was sort of, I was sort of semi-warm enough. I thought, I'm not putting the heating on. I'm deter- it's my battle against heating. I'm, it's not that... Because I've always said, and I, I maintain it, that I'm not, I'm not bothered about the cost of heating. I'm not prepared to freeze, I'm afraid. I'm at that age where I need to keep myself warm. I've just said to the... I've got this... Well, I said to the producer, I said, Ah, darling, I said, I've got this pain in my arm. Uh, and I have. I've got this pain in my left arm. It's been there for some time, and I think it's a muscle sort of... Whatever it is, it's a blooming nuisance. And uh, and I said, you know, it hurts like Billy, oh, love. And so she said, well, why don't you go... And, of course, I didn't understand what she was talking about. So it's all, it's all topsy-turvy at the moment round here. Bad news, I'm afraid. In some restaurants and supermarkets, you think you're eating cod or haddock. What do you think you're eating? Wait for it. Pollock. Or Asian catfish. Ooh, scary. What's that? Asian catfish. Apparently, marine biologist and study leader Stefano Mariani said consumers should be able to go to a shop and know what they're eating, what they paid for. I absolutely agree. When you go into a fish shop and it says cod, are we not believing the fact it's cod? I'm believing it's cod. I don't want to eat some river fish from Asia or something like that. I don't even want to eat Pollock, even though they've tried at Sandy's. God knows they've tried to convince me that Pollock is just as good. But I want cod. I don't mind eating Pollock if they tell me it's Pollock. Like, you know, if I've, if I, I've either got Fanny Wang headphones or I haven't. As it turns out, I haven't, because I didn't win the competition yesterday. But that was yesterday, the Fanny Wang headphones. But, I mean, if catfish is being sold as cod in a new food fraud, you can't even trust fish and chip shops now. And as for the sausage in batter, what in God's name do you think's in that? Answer just about everything except meat, I would think. Terrible. I mean, they're supposed to be tightening it up. We are in the year 2013. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wandered into life in the, in the 18th century, have I, where nothing is labelled. I appear to be in the real world, I think so. But I, I would like to know what I'm supposed to be eating. And if it says cod or haddock, I want to make sure it is cod and haddock. I've told you, I won't eat ready meals now. I've decided that, uh, that I'm not... 
I'm just not going to eat ready meals. I cannot trust the supermarkets. Grieves me to tell you that. I cannot trust the supermarkets. I can't even trust the Met Office. They can't even get it right, can they? Are we going to have cold weather and snow? I don't know. really don't know. What do you think we'll have some... I don't know, really. And yet we have... Every time I pitch up on the television, there's sort of yet another weatherman who spent a lot of time putting his makeup on and having his eyebrows tinted. You know, and they pitch up and they... So, do you think snow by Easter? I don't really know. I have no, no idea at all. I really... I wish I could tell you, but I can't. I mean, I've, I've set down... We might as well just sort of look out the window and go, that's what it is today. Don't worry about it. I mean, tourists arriving in this country... Hello? Do it slowly for them. Hello. You know, you have to do that for tourists so they understand that we're speaking to them, you know, personally, face-to-face, as it were. Not in their face, but actually talking to their face. And they come over here, you get every season in one day. We can have sunshine, snow, sleet, and then we can have rain. All in the one day. I mean, they're very lucky when they come here, tourists. Because not only do you get ripped off by the hot dog sellers out there and some of the ghastly British food which is laughingly served up around Leicester Square. I mean, you've never seen such a pile of rubbish as it's on offer. Small wonder people go, I think we'll take our own food. When I went the other day to London Zoo, people take their own food. They take sandwiches. Now, I've not taken sandwiches out to a venue for ages and ages. And I said to you that I did have fish and chips and it was lovely. But it doesn't say what fish it is. You know, they might say, "Is, is it cod? Is it definitely cod? I couldn't really say. Well, what, what do you think? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I just, you know, perhaps it's Pollock. I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps it's you know Fanny Wang. I don't. I don't know. I'm too sure about the whole thing. So, uh, so we don't know what we're eating now. So that's why no more fast food for me. I'm afraid. But uh, congratulations uh, to the mobile phone because it's forty years of the mobile phone. I had. One of the first mobile phones. I, I paid £1,500 for it. This was a long, long time ago. £1,500. It was a Panasonic and it was, um, it was like a field telephone. It had a handset with a cable on it. So I'm just watching uh, Mick Philpot lying in court with his fake crocodile tears. Please find the killers of our children. It was you. It was you all the time. You were the compulsive liar. What a shame we haven't got hanging in this country. I, mean, I can't think of any, anything that would, anybody would warrant it more than him and his ghastly wife. All done as a custody battle. Here he is clutching the handkerchief to his eyes, but strangely, no tears, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because he's a murderer. That's why. He, knows, he thinks he knows how to lie. But Steve Cottrell saw through them straight away. Saw through, saw through them. Anyway, so where was I? I was talking about... What was I talking about? I can't remember what I was talking about now. Complete the, oh, that's right, the mobile phone. So I paid £1,500 for it. Now you can get them free with sort of contracts and everything else. And this was a big thing. You, had, you pulled the aerial up and it plugged into the cigarette lighter and it was fantastic. But somebody stole it. I was having... I'll tell you where I was. I was out with Biggins and I was having dinner in Mayfair at Philip Kingsley's house, the world-famous tricologist. And, and I heard... I heard the um, the car alarm going off. I heard the car alarm going off, and I thought, that sounds like my car alarm. Because, you know, you recognise your own car alarm. And and then, and then you sort of, you go, oh, that is my car alarm. And I went down, there was glass all over the place, and they'd stolen the telephone. So when I phoned the police station up to report it, he said, well, he said, I've got thousands down here. He said, what, what does your one look like? I said, oh, forget it. I wasn't that bothered. It was insured anyway. And uh, it was plugged in all the time. But it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was actually... I remember actually being in Covent Garden and picking up the phone and calling a friend of mine and going, I'm on a mobile phone. I'm standing outside in out, outside of a building. And he went, really? I went, yeah. How cool is that? 
And he went, OK, fine. And that was that. And I put the phone down, and that call probably cost about pound fifty. So 40 years on, 1973. 19... Good grief, 1973. Things have changed quite a bit. The mobile phone market is worth billions. Um, and we've got... You know, I can pick up a phone now, my mobile phone. I can call America. There's no cable. There's no... There's no nothing. It's absolutely amazing. So the technology has moved on. Modern devices weigh less than three ounces. I mean, it is absolutely unreal. And you can get good package deals on them. I think my package at the moment is the best. It's under 20 quid a month, which is for limitless texts, limitless uh, phone calls and uh, memory as well. So very, very good news for the mobile phone. Nick Ferrari will be talking about the mobile phone a little bit later on today. Uh, we don't have one in our gadget giveaway. Instead, we have a Toshiba laptop complete with Windows 8, a laptop for everybody. And the question is, if you want to get your hands on it, I'll tell you no, actually, I'll save that for you. I'm, I'm, it's only a tease. It's a tease, OK? That's, that's what it is. It's a tease on the programme. On the subject of heating, uh, David and Katie, Professional Children's Entertainment, says, we've got to the point where it's so expensive, me and Katie have stopped being careful. However much... Uh, as we try to reduce the bills, they keep rising. We were paying £92 a month. Now it's 130 And by the end of March, we're still £230 in debt. I give up. It's, I mean, it is ridiculous, isn't it? It is ridiculous that every month there is something else to buy, something else to put money aside for. You know, and people say, you know, how, how do pensioners survive? And the answer is I've got no idea. Not all pensioners. Not all pensioners, you know, don't have any money. But it does become increasingly more and more difficult to try and and try and work out what your priorities are. Other priorities, I mean, I've always said to elderly people, whenever we've had this discussion on LBC, for goodness sake, if you're going to have some heating, go and go and buy a proper heater. Don't buy a little bar fire thing. These things drink electricity. Fan heaters drink electricity. Absolutely drink it. I mean, I went from a normal, a normal bill for electricity to 700 quid one year over Christmas because I bought some fan heaters because my boiler was broken. You know, occupational hazard, I suppose. Everybody's breaks at some point. And, and, I didn't, and I've always said to people, don't ever buy a fan heater. They cost an arm and a leg to run. Go out and buy these heaters, which I bought when, when my brother was having trouble with his uh, boiler. I bought him these heaters. And they were absolutely fantastic. Absolutely thin, cheap, and they give out a lot of heat. And they're very, very inexpensive to run. And that, and that was the reason that I bought them. It's because I'd seen them in a, um, a travel lodge, and I'd worked on the assumption, if they were going to put them in a travel lodge, then um, then they were obviously fine and cheap for that. They're not going to put anything in a travel lodge, are they? And I did have the name of them, and uh, I was I was going to tell you what they were, because a number of people have written to me over the years, say, you've got these things, but what the dickens are they called? And so I've, I phoned my brother, and I said, can you let me know exactly what these things are called, because I can't remember the name of them unless I go back into the history of me. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll try and find out the name of them, because it's, it, was, it was the cheapest way of heating a place. And believe you me, now you go into his place, it's like going into a sauna. It's like you have to sort of check your clothes in at the door. It's not quite as bad as that, but it's uh, absolutely terrible. So I shall try and find out the name, and I shall, uh, I shall let you know, because it was definitely better... Than, than running one of these bar fires and things like that, any fan heaters. It's just way too expensive. Quarter to six. These headlines with Dan Whitehead. A couple will be jailed this morning for killing six of their children. 
Morning, everybody. Uh, these, um, we're having trouble with these panel heaters, actually. They're, for, they're from a company called Prem One Air Elite. And you can find them on Amazon, but you've got, to, you've got to hunt a bit to find the panel heaters themselves. And I think I paid about 500 for all of them. That's one, two, three, four, five, I think. Five. But, uh, and that's to heat a, a flat. And very cheap to run. Very, very cheap. And then we found them on a, another website from Hygiene Supplies Direct. So they're on there. But um, you could, you, you'd better hunt them through, through Amazon and find out. I'm having a great difficulty at the moment. Well, I was until everybody came to my rescue yesterday when I complained bitterly that normally the garden centres are absolutely heaving at this time of year. People go in at Easter and they move out with trolleys that have practically got an entire garden centre on them. Uh, but this year, of course, because we've still got the frost, we've still got temperatures going down to one degree, any small little plants that you put out are going to be killed off by the frost, so you don't want to waste your money. They're also terribly expensive. I was looking at little tiny fuchsias the other day to go in the hanging baskets, and they were looking for £2.20-something, £2.29, for a little tiny plant. And then somebody wrote in and said, if you try QVC, they've got, I think, 15 plants or 12 plants for something like fourteen ninety nine plug plants, but they're quite established. So I thought that's going to be the ones I'm going to go for. And then somebody else recommended a place where they're 63 pence a plant. So I'm going to, I'm going to go for there as well. So if anybody else has got any ideas of where you get cheap fuchsia, I'm going to have to be putting about eight or ten in each pot. So I'm certainly not going to be spending two pounds something on each one. Makes the, makes the, uh, the basket terribly expensive. And I've got eight of the blooming things to actually make up. So I'm, I'm being quite careful. I'm being, isn't it funny? I'm mean on things like that. And I don't seem to worry about the price of, uh, price of petrol. Well, I do, actually. Uh, Steve, the fish from Vietnam. No, thanks. All those toxic chemicals. Um, Sasha says it's the word pollock that sounds dodgy. It is a little bit, isn't it? It's, and yet I'm told by the fish shop in Twickenham, they say it's, uh, it's fine. It just doesn't sound right, does it? Cod, we know, but if, if we'd had pollock to start with and we'd all been used to that, and then they went, how about cod? You go, cod? I don't think so. But now it's the other way round, I'm afraid. Uh, at Steve Allen Show, listening to LBC on the mobile whilst tweeting and surfing the web. Things have come a long way since the 1970s. The technology has moved up. When you think, when you think now, we have... Uh, if, if this had been the early days of LBC, there would be no computers in here. No lighting, just a small candle. And, uh, and a hand-crank generator. <laughs> As LBC celebrates its 40th birthday this year... Actually, it's not just us. And a megaphone. You'd have to lean out the window. Welcome to the Steve Allen Show. You'd have to do that out the window. And people, people would assemble underneath the window. It was a little bit like sort of a, a cheaper version of Lourdes. And, uh, and so we would sort of do things like that. Now it's all touch screen, this, and faders, and flashing lights. I mean, you never said anything like it. It's like being on the flight deck of Concord in here. Sean says, when my boiler plays up, I simply buy her a bunch of flowers. That's nice, isn't it? The old ones are the best, and quite clearly a marriage that is doomed, I'm afraid. Um, John from Harrow on the Hill said, had the misfortune. See, we're going to have to disagree on this one. He didn't like the Andrew Lloyd Webber 40th anniversary show. He said most of the cast had a Simon Cowell connection. And he says, as for Nicole Scherzinger, she would have received three X's immediately from the X Factor panel. She can't pronounce Argentina, or she's simply just bad. You see, I thought it was, uh, I thought she was quite good, I'm afraid. Uh, Tessie O'Shea, she was in the film called The Blue Lamp, says Brian. Oh, right. I like the old Cliff Richard films too. Says Alan, I took my mum in 73 to see Take Me High. And Graham says, I remember back in the late 50s when I lived just off the Ladbrook Grove, a man coming around lighting the streetlights. There you go. <laughs> uh, Tony at Westgate says, I was shocked on how old the singer from Blondie is now. Uh, how old would she be? 
50-something, 60-something, I would think. I would think so. Debbie Harry must be 62, 63. And uh, Nan Joan in Collier Row. Diana Dawes was in a film called Lady Godiva Rides Again. Really? Crikey. And, uh, and Chris says, some years ago, I was a milkman. We used to work six days a week. One Sunday I got up, went to work and wondered why the yard was shut. We've all done it. We've all done it. 84850, steve at uk, And uh, re-health and safety in glass handles when the bombs dropped in East London during the Blitz. Did the landlady say it's too dangerous to use handles, says Brian? No, but we've now become a bunch of... A bunch of moaning Marys, haven't we? Oh, we can't do this, we can't... Elf and safety... I mean, can you believe it? A toothpick. Dangerous weapon now, isn't it? A toothpick. Probably is in some people's eyes, I should imagine. I just don't... I just don't quite see it all the time. I think we're obviously being mollycoddled a little bit too much. And uh, we aren't able to do things all by ourselves, which is a great shame. Uh, what's the point, says Bob in Manchester, about Michael Jackson? He didn't look ill, and the family claim that AG didn't need to employ the doctor, and if that hadn't... Uh, if they hadn't, Jackson would still be alive. Well, it's, it's an odd thing, isn't it? Only in America could something like that... They want £26 billion. But, I mean, I suppose the, the answer would be, how do you put a price on Michael Jackson? The truth of the matter is, he kept himself to himself. He didn't hang around with the family. He didn't associate with them. Uh, they weren't involved with the tour over here at all, as far as I know. It was all Michael Jackson. But, you know, he was the most famous one in the family. You can't, you can't take that away from him. Um, love hearing Andy McCall, says, uh, says Joe. It's his wife listening, probably. Lovely voice and vital travel updates. And uh, Dan Whitehead, lovely voice. It's funny how people sort of, you know, I mean, you build up an image, don't you, of what you think people look like. It's a shame you're all going to be so wrong, really, so wrong. Andy McCall, little sylph-like thing, little tiny, almost no bigger than a Christmas tree decoration, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, speaking of Val Dunican, I always watched his uh, show, Best Best Memories from Childhood. Yes, I tried to get Val Dunican in, but he lives, he lives so far away, it's a little bit difficult to actually get him in. Uh, Malcolm, on the subject of George Formby, he says he could only play the ukulele banjo in one key, so he had a, a collection of them all tuned to a different pitch, so the fingering remained the same, regardless of the key that he was playing. Well, I don't know, I was watching him playing something the other day, and... Um, he was very good. His fingers were moving about all over the place. That, mind you, they, they do tend on ukes not to go that far, do they? I think so. Uh, my package deal, says Alan, is unlimited on everything. Seven quid on Virgin, SIM only, premium 20. Seven pounds, is it? See, I pay 20. I've heard of people who pay a small fortune. A small fortune to get their, their mobiles done. On the subject of uh, heating, uh, I have a log burner says Jackie, and I get apple and cherry logs from the local farmer. 120 quid a load, which lasts four months, plus it smells great. I bought, because my godchildren have got an open fire. Well, they didn't have to. They started setting fire to the sitting room. But anyway, so they've got this, this open fire. No, it's in a fireplace. And Lakeland did one year fir cones, which you put on the fire. You can burn fir cones. But these were fir cones coated with phosphoref... phosphoref phosphate. And they had them all over there, and all in different colours. So when you put the fur cones on the fire, the flames changed for blue, greens, reds. It was like your own mini Aurora Borealis in the fireplace. It was fantastic. It was absolutely wonderful. Almost as fantastic as winning the gadget competition for today. Because we're offering you, as you know, the Toshiba laptop with Windows 8. Hello? And you don't need curtains for these. Windows 8, straightforward, give it to you now. And somebody can win it by 6.30 this morning, at 6.30 when the lines close. But you... Oh, my God, Father, what on earth was that? What on earth... What was that? 
That wasn't my phone. It's my phone's off. What on earth was... Oh, dear Lord above it. I had a heart attack in the studio. It is phone box restart. God, blimey, I've never had that happen before. Oh, I thought I was being shot at. Anyway, so... God, dear. It is phone box. Is it supposed to do that? And make that horrible noise? Yes. I picked up my... Oh, Lord above. Anyway, so, to win the... Uh, the oh, everything that's very funny. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Steve has collapses on air at phone box starting up. So, one lucky listener, don't do it again, please, will win a great new laptop from Toshiba with Windows 8. And the question is, in which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? In which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? To enter, text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer. So you do gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. In which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? So it's gadget, then your answer, and then 84850. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time of 6.30, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions at lbc.co.uk. I've never read that before in my life. I don't like, don't like strange noises happening. It's very worrying, isn't it? Uh, so now you can't use um, toothpicks. They're apparently very dangerous for you. Handles on mugs and everything else. And on the front page of OK Magazine, Anton Deck, as Anton Deck mania has gripped the nation. It goes on, doesn't it, Anton Deck? I mean, they, they, sort of, they sort of generate their own interest. They said, we've got older and slower. We can't believe we're top of the charts. So the, uh, they've got after, uh, Afternoon with the Kings of TV, plus the women in their lives. I didn't think Deck Donnelly had a woman in his life. We know Ant's married, but I think Deck... We know he fancies that, um, that pussycat doll. I think that's painfully, painfully obvious to anybody. And uh, I think her name is Ashley Roberts. She's not much cop, to be honest with you. Just a pussycat doll, but I suppose it keeps him happy. But as I've said before, the reason he can't keep girlfriends is he doesn't go out. He wants to stay in. They've got to that age at 37. You want to stay in. Pfft. Even I'm kicking off my heels a little bit, let me tell you. 84850, steve at uk. There's uh, more stories in the uh, the papers. The latest boss of the Beeb says the best is yet to come. Yet to see it. It's the same old, same old. The only time you can, you can convince me that the best is yet to come is when somebody goes back to Noel Edmonds and says, would you like to come back and do Crinkly Bottom? and do Noel's house party and do the Christmas present programme. That is the only time that uh, it can be good. Uh, Alison Phillips talking today about uh, I'll Be Damned, becoming quite clear about Jordan and the fact she is just a little machine who makes money as she's going down the aisle. They're sort of mentioning the company that sell the Jordan wedding dresses. I mean, I just sort of keep the same one and recycle it in her case. There's no point buying a new one every time. She's been married four times, for God's sake. But they just keep the same one. Let's have it dyed a different colour. Maybe black to go with the widow. That would be quite a nice idea, wouldn't it? And the Tory MP has finally announced we're going to do something about, about danger dogs. I've yet to see any action from the government on that one. On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. Apparently, according to Jenny, Debbie Harry is 67. Good grief. It's funny, you just don't imagine people... I, know, I appreciate the fact that people do age, but you don't think about it, do you? I just think Debbie Harry, 40s, I don't know. I never thought of her bringing anything else. 67, good Lord. Ian in Harlow is wondering, who would wake up the uh, the knocker-upper in the morning? The knocker-upper, all these old jobs that used to exist, and, and pe- people want to know 
uh, when you used to pay this woman, she would come round, she would bang on your window with a big stick, a big pole, in your upstairs bedroom, if you were lucky enough to have an upstairs, and uh, she would knock there and she would wake you up. But as Ian's quite rightly pointed out, who wakes her up? Perhaps she had an alarm clock, I should imagine. I don't know. Not sure how it worked in those days. Lenin Bushy says, I ate Pollock thinking I'd bought cod. I don't care what anybody says. It's horrible, tasteless and watery. Well, I think watery it definitely would be. I mean, I wouldn't know. In a, in a taste test, I'm sure I could be fooled with the rest of the country. I wouldn't know. If somebody says, what do you think this is? Pollock? You know, Vietnamese water fish or Asia, whatever it happens to be. Or do you think it's cod? And I don't think I could tell the difference. I, I used to eat rock salmon. I never thought it had anything to do with salmon. Because I, I could do away with the one bone down the middle. But you have to be honest, with sort of fish and chips, it's the batter, isn't it, that sells the, the fish and chips. And it's not bad at London Zoo. It's about £7.50, fish and chips. You think that's a lot, don't you, see? Sorry, sorry. You think that's a lot, don't you, babe? Talk to her in her own language. And, um, and so I thought seven fifty was OK for the zoo. Because if you go to the seashell, which is very famous on Listen Grove, something like 13 quid. It's, it, whatever it is, it's terribly expensive. It's, sorry, how many? £3. Your local does it for £3. What, fish and chips? Well, what sort of fish and chips do you think that is? For three pounds, it's it's really horrible. That is cheap rubbish food. You should never eat things that are that bad. If they're doing fish for three pounds, it's real rubbish. It's like on our local fish and chip shop's window. It's all the things to appeal to the students: pie, drink, and chips, and a sausage in batter, three quid. I do like a sausage in batter, but they're never proper sausages, are they? They look as though they're sort of, sort of made up at a ground meal or something. They're always very very disappointed. Uh, John the cabbie says, Steve. Morning, John. Go to Columbia Road, Bethnal Green. Brilliant flower and plant market every Sunday. Now, where's that? Where is Bethnal? Oh, I hate to hate to be ignorant. I'm afraid, John. Where's Bethnal Green compared to where I, I live, West London? So, where am I heading for if I'm going to? I want to go to Columbia Road. It's an early market, though, isn't it? The producer's pointing because she, she's cockney, so she knows where these things are. Yeah, me. And then it's over there, is it? Right. So, what am I heading for? Mile End area. Oh, right, I'm heading for Hackney. OK, Mile End Road. Yes, I know the Mile End Road, so I'm going through through the city, aren't I? I'm going through the city, up round Petticoat Lane, up the Apples and Pears, and uh, then the old... Co- I'd like to go to... Do you know, I wouldn't mind going to Columbia Road Market. That's every Sunday, is it? Well, there you go. There's, there's one for my, uh, for my list. I quite fancy doing that, because I have seen the flower and plant market. But if it's an early one, I can do earlies as well. I could get up, park the old motor, go in there, have a bit of a butcher's, buy a few little plants. That's a brilliant idea, isn't it? I think I'm, you, might, you, might have, you might have started something here. You might have started something. Um, more on the, uh, the house. This is the one that William and Kate are going to move into. It does look very nice. It's, uh, it's in keeping with, with his status. Uh, it's very near the church. At the moment it has a... Um, an access for the public. That'll be closed off. There'll be a new drive. The front lawn will be taken out to create a larger car parking area. And then they'll have a pergola put in, a wood store to be converted into a sitting room. It's going to be quite good, actually. Uh, Alicia. Alicia Dixon has spoken out against prejudice against black women in show business. The former Strictly Come Dancing judge has enjoyed more than 10 years of success. Speaking to a magazine ahead of a new series of Britain's Got Talent, she reveals it's been tough. She said, I did an interview with a magazine once and the journalist quite openly said they wouldn't put a black person on the front cover because the magazine wouldn't sell. Oh, God, who is this? Tell me who this is. I mean, see, this is what annoys me. 
This is what really, really annoys me. People say something, they make a sweeping statement, and you go, OK, great, which magazine was this? Which journalist said to Alicia Dixon we wouldn't put a black person on the front cover because the magazine wouldn't sell? And that's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard of. She said it made me angry. It's making me angry now. I want to know who this magazine is. She says uh, there still aren't many uh, black women on the screens uh, on primetime television. Britain's an amazing multicultural place and that should be celebrated and represented. And she praised the BBC for making her a judge on Strictly Come Dancing. But the trouble is we shouldn't really see colour, should we? Are we supposed to see this and go, right, so, because, I mean, I, I'm, I know that there was one boss of the BBC and he wanted to see more ethnic presenters. And I think the BBC is well represented for ethnic presenters. You know, judging by, you know, how many people are here, I'm, I think it's, it's fairly good. Acro- I mean, I suppose you could say, you know, excuse me, there aren't many Chinese presenters on the television, are there? I haven't seen many Polish presenters on the television. Why not? We're multicultural. Why does it always have to be just white and black? It encompasses everything. There should be everybody on the television. I want to see more little people on the television. Little tiny people trying to stand on a chair and say, it's going to be, is it going to be wet today? I don't know. I really don't know. No idea about the weather at all. That's what I want to see. I want to see, I want to see everybody on the television, provided they're good. There's no point in giving somebody a job just because of ethnicity. I think somebody should have a job because they're actually good at doing it. If somebody's actually good at doing the job, then they get it. It's as simple as that. There's no point. If, if I was rubbish, careful. If I, was, if I was rubbish, you know, I would expect them to sort of put somebody else on who was better than me. But between you, me and the gatepost, there's nobody else at this this price bracket who's as good. So, as we've proved. Um, the Curbfall policewoman, Kelly Jones. This is the one you don't want answering your 999 call. Uh, is that Kelly? J- don't, don't come, Kelly. We'll have somebody else. And she's going to carry on suing the burglary victim. The Police Federation is paying legal costs for her claim. Confirm the case is still going ahead. But if she's claiming for loss of earnings, why isn't the police doing this? Why is... Why is the police force not paying for loss of earnings. So, in other words, she had an accident while she was attending a 999 call while she was on shift. And she carried on doing her shift. In fact, she carried on for seven months doing her shift. And uh, then all of a sudden decided that, you know, she wanted some compensation for presumably some lost earnings for time she'd taken off. But don't you claim that back through the company you work for? Why would you then have to take out a private prosecution? I mean, it's, it's anger, the chief constable. She claims nobody had warned her about the step of the badly lit premises. Well, can't you open your eyes? Oh, but I don't want to point out the patently obvious. It's not... Yeah, but this is... They give police women torches now. I've seen them with torch. Perhaps her, perhaps her batteries had run down. She looks like the kind of person whose batteries have run down, doesn't they, really? Certainly didn't have the energy to run anyway. So she tripped over something. He helped her up. And she's obviously going, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. And I'm thinking, I mean, surely you can't be that daft. You must, you must know what a curbstone is, love. How do you, how do you manage when you're stepping off, you know... The, the pavement onto the road. You fall over every time. I mean, it does seem a bit ludicrous, doesn't it? Other stories in the papers, apart from the uh, Philpots and uh, apart from Oxfam. Oxfam have now... St- wait for this. You know you go into a shop and they have loyalty cards. They go, do you have a Boots loyalty card? No, I don't. Uh, why? Well, because I don't like it in here. I really don't, I'm afraid. There was a, in fact, boots are in the papers today. Not for the best reason. The poor little girl goes in there with her mummy, and the little kid knocks over a bottle of disinfectant. So one of the assistants in boots smacks her bottom. An assistant. Excuse me, touch my child. 
I'll lay you out, darling, you try that one again. She actually smacked her bottom. And Boots had promised a full investigation, because I've never heard of that before. She went, you're a very naughty girl. And smacked her on the bottom. That's not up to Boots' assistants to do things like that. There are some very odd people working in Boots. Very odd people. Do you remember there was somebody who worked in the film processing years ago and uh, reprimanded a, a, a well-known news presenter because she'd photographed her children in the bath? Like every parent takes photographs of the kids in the bath with bubbles and pla- there's probably pictures of me somewhere floating around, you know, on my back blowing bubbles. You know, that's the kind of thing you do. But somebody at Boots in the processing department complained about it. That made all the newspapers. So now you've got an assistant who smacks a child because she knocks something over. I tell you, if that bit of bloke in there, as opposed to the woman who said she's really angry, she said, they don't, they don't have a right to touch my child, and she's absolutely right. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, you can understand you get children who mess around and run around in shops because they're badly supervised by their parents, but it still doesn't give you the right to touch them and actually discipline them. It's not your child, so don't do it. LBC 97.3. We've all three. Morning, 18 minutes. Past six, Nick Ferrari and the team this morning after the news at seven as the parents of six children who died in a house fire last year are found guilty of manslaughter. Nick will be asking what drives people to behave in this way. As Anne Whittacombe said, not very pleasant people, just and part. And I think, really, first of all, I probably agreed with a headline on the front of the, the mail, it's part of benefit culture in this country. That's all he was into, interested in, benefit culture. And obviously a man so stupid and so ignorant that he thought he could hoodwink people. The jury, luckily, as we still have a jury in this country, saw through him. And they found him guilty unanimously. Unanimously. Took them eight hours. Uh, so Nick will be trying to find out more on this. I mean, what, I mean, I don't know what makes people commit crimes like that. I suppose the belief, the self-belief, that they're so indestructible that they can go on the Jeremy Kyle show and swagger around and they can hold, you know, press conferences and sort of convince people or think they can, whereas the chief constable saw, saw, them, saw through them straight away. He knew they were lying. And when we saw them on the television, you think to yourself, something's not right here. You know when you get a feeling, you get a gut feeling, and something definitely wasn't right with them. I mean, they were just, uh, they were part of of that sort of subculture in the country, but now six children are dead, six children who aren't going to see adulthood. There's no way of ever bringing them back. There's no way of, of anything like that happening. It's just, it's just absolutely tragic. Uh, plus, as tomorrow marks 40 years since the first mobile phone, Nick will want to know, have they made your life better or worse? Oh, come on, you've got to admit it's better. There's nobody who can ever say that a mobile phone has made their life worse. Please tell me. And uh, a full review of the day's newspaper with Louisa Peacock, the jobs editor for the Daily Telegraph, who'll be live in the studio. You've got 12 minutes left to have a go at my gadget giveaway today. The Actually, it's not 12. What am I talking about? It's not 12. It's about eight minutes left. Because today on the gadget giveaway, it's a Toshiba laptop with Windows 8. No curtains needed. OK. It's a little in-joke. little in-joke. Sorry. And uh, you could win it, you get your hands on it, but you've got to know the answer to this question for the gadget giveaway for today. That's because it was Claire Weymouth from Cheshire yesterday who got that fantastic prize of the iPod, the uh, headphones, and the 100 iTunes downloads. Lovely prize. So today, the Toshiba laptop with Windows 8. You need to tell me the answer to this question. In which UK city... Would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? In which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? Text the word gadget, followed by your answer, 
and send it to 84850. So once you've worked out the answer, you text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, then your answer, and then you send that to 84850. It's got to be here before 6.30 this morning. Don't text at 6.30, because it, the moment it hits 6.30, the machine switches off, and your clocks, as I've said before, unless they're radio-controlled, might not be as accurate as everybody else's. Hopefully your phone clock is, is actually quite good. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you may uh, not be entered. You won't be entered, but you will still be charged. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck for that one. It's a, it's a nice, uh, very, very nice prize. Uh, Richard in Wapping says, Be warned, the roads near the flower market charge for parking on Sundays. I got a hefty fine there. I don't mind paying, actually, as long as I can... I need to go there and find out exactly where it is and uh, and where would be the best place. What was I going to the other day? I was going to go... And, oh, that's right. I was going to go and find the... Uh, Trading estate in Feltham, because I'll probably have to go back there for FedEx for the walking puppet, which we're all getting very excited about, very excited about. If he doesn't walk, I'm going to be furious. Uh, I heard you talking about the 40s of Android Webber, says Sarah. Uh, I thought the show was very good, especially Kimberly Walsh, Denise Van Outen singing Take That Look Off Your Face, and Nicole Scherzinger. But as my friend said to me, the show was very predictable, and we should have had more of the lesser-known songs, but a good show nevertheless. Yeah, my, my favourite, I think, was The World of Cameron Mackintosh which is out on DVD, and that's got everybody on. That's got Juliet. I mean, that was everybody on that one, including Andrew Lloyd Webber and Stephen Sondheim singing, admittedly on film, but that, that, was, that was the best one. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Michael Ball and, oh, gosh, loads and loads of people. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC, uh, Um Vanessa says she wrote an article about it. Uh, this is... Is this the... Um, we wouldn't put a black woman on a front cover of a magazine because it wouldn't sell. It's interesting. I'll have to check out on that magazine. I'll, I'll try and find out which magazine. But I mean, I've never heard of anybody saying that to anybody. I can't believe it. So somebody would say to Alicia Dixon, uh, we wouldn't put a black person on, on the front of this magazine because it wouldn't sell. God, what, what kind of world are they living in, these people? The answer is a strange, strange world, I'm afraid. Uh, Pollock. It's nicer than cod, says Harvey the Drug. You see, I can't, I can't work out which is, which is nice, which isn't nice for us. But apparently it's, it's as nice. Uh, 84850. Kim says, in addition to your response for more different people on television, can we now see more ugly, vertically challenged, disabled, blind weather readers? That would be a bit more believable. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why they have to be good-looking. And unfortunately, it's, I mean, it's like producers, isn't it, in radio? You know, they don't have to be good-looking. And luckily for us, they're not. So it's, you know, it's great. And I don't mean that in a... In a nasty way, in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Not many. And, uh, you know, so on the television, but we do expect to see people on television doing themselves up, don't we? I suppose the fact that we do employ people from all over the place of different sort of looks accounts for how Matt Allwright got a job on television. You know, hardly the best looking thing going, is he? And uh, some people, I do hate it when they don't make an effort to have a shave. I think that people should actually be, you know, you should be required. Shoes shiny, everything. You know, it, it should be five minutes left, four minutes left on the competition. I don't want to push you on this one, but I don't, I don't want people to be charged for something if you're not going to be entered into the competition. So Oxfam, according to the papers today, have now launched this loyalty points scheme to reward people who donate items to the shop. Anybody signing up to the tag your bag scheme will receive an initial 100 points and will then earn two more for every pound their donated items raise. Each bag tag contains a code which can be traced back to the donor so the points can be awarded. 
A loyalty card for Oxfam. Have you heard of such a thing? A loyalty card for Oxfam. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. Um, it's uh, nice. To t- oh, there's lovely uh, Tom Hanks is in the paper today. He, he cried. He was on stage and uh, the opening night of his Broadway debut in Lucky Guy. And he cried at the end because he got the standing ovation. And it must be quite overwhelming. It's not like making a film. When you appear live on stage, it's not like making a film where, you know, somebody goes, OK, cut. And, they, you know, people just go, OK, thanks. Uh, see you back here same time tomorrow. When you're on stage and you've got 2,000 people, you know, clapping you and standing up and whooping and cheering, it's very difficult not to be emotionally charged. I'm getting quite emotional myself. The emotionally charged. I know this feeling. I mean, I have been there where people have whooped and... And shouted at me, "Get off! Get off! You're rubbish!" And uh, <laughs> and it is it is amazing. It does it does affect you deeply. This weather's affecting me deeply at the moment. And my hands are so cold at the moment. I'd be very surprised to make it through the morning. But we do have uh, Gerard Butler to talk to today for in conversation. Honestly, we've gone from one extreme to the other. Yesterday, Julian Clary. This morning. Gerard Butler is coming in to talk to Steve Allen for In Conversation, which I'm very much uh, looking looking forward to. Why did I keep this one here? Oh, this. Oh, the uh, I saved the story of the rugby star, which I mentioned to you a little bit earlier on today, uh, on the subject of uh, the question for the gadget competition. A lot of people say, "Can you just give us a question one more time uh, for the gadget giveaway?" In which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? That's the, the question. You've literally got a couple of minutes. And you text the word gadget, then your answer. So in which UK city would you find the Bullring Shopping and Leisure Complex? You send the answer to 84850 before 6.30. So do it now. Don't leave it afterwards. Because sometimes they're a bit slow getting through, aren't they? Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Go to lbc.co.uk for all the terms and conditions. And tomorrow, I better read your name out if you are the lucky winner. Like today, Claire Weymouth from Cheshire. So uh, Claire is the star of the programme today. And uh, fantastic it is. Uh, just about it. We're going to run out of time any second, so I'll quickly just go back and check on... and just clear up any, uh, any of the text. Thank you very much indeed for all the people telling me uh, about Columbia Road Market. Donna says it's fantastic. You will love it. Uh, Stuart in East Sussex says they're spending a lot of money on William and Kate's house. Are they on benefits? Yes. And then Darren in Surrey says, I can't believe a man of your knowledge doesn't know where Bethnal Green is. He says, very well known to be the East End. Well, I'm, I'm West London boy, and I'm a West London boy. You know, we ain't got nothing like that over there. We just, yeah, we have got apples and pears, and we've got stuff like that. But, you know, we don't sort of make a big... We haven't got any flower markets round our way. We have flower shops. I'm taking a break. Goodness sake, I'm going to finish off the programme. Got about uh, a minute left. Very pushy people today. I don't know why. I'm being pushed around from pillar to post. I got that the other day. Somebody pushed me. Some woman on the bus. And I'm normally very good, actually. I'm very good at letting fat people on first. So, well, I have to take the bus. I know. I'm lowering myself, I realise. Listen, back tomorrow morning. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes' time and the other podcast up a bit later. Good luck with the competition. Next on LBC 97.3. The Morning News with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.3.